there. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits. <laughs> Coming to you from the Recycle Garage. Coming to you from Grandpa Scrotum. In sunny Santa Cruz, California. Well, overcast, but we're I'm, I'm liking it. We are the overca- really hot everywhere We're the else. overcasters, darling. Hey, everyone. This is Liza, and I'm running on fumes. But we got a big show. I'm really excited about it. And they smell of egg. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm excited about it. Um, yeah. Very good. Uh, yes. Joining me here. Who? On the Classy Girl Where? couch tonight. Why? The head wanker herself. The it's, head wanker, blimey. It's, it's Miss Emma. <laughs> Hello, darlings. Thank you for running the garage today. No, it's okay. We had a good crowd today. Yeah, you did. I was I was out. I was away. I came home. No, I mean, you, it was a There good, was a party going on. There was a good selection of different bikes. We had l- I know. lots. Yeah. Little, we, little two strokes. Yeah, the little two stroke was little, cool. Little, little two Suzuki. smokers. Yeah, yeah, well, there's two of them. Yeah. Uh, also joining me in the studio, it's Stumpy John. What's up? I am so happy to be back. The stump. Gone the stumpy. For a couple weeks. We're getting the band back together. The stump is here, baby. But of course, it wouldn't be the band without Bagel, who's playing catch up. He'll be in soon, so I'll announce him when he comes in. Um, so I did a thing. I went to a place. Mm. I know you did, but you didn't go to the rally because that was already over. Right. So I went to not Sturgis, but everywhere near Sturgis. Right. Um, and went to the WEMA rally. So this is kind of an interesting story. Yes. WEMA, Women's International Motorcycle Association, was actually started, I think Michelle's going to kill me on this, I think it was back in the 50s, a woman here in the U.S. started it. And it grew to become an international organization. And there are WEMA International, every country has these WEMA groups and they have a an international rally every year where people from different countries come. That's it's great. really cool. Right. And the one here in this country about 20, 25 years ago kind of fizzled out. And there hasn't been a, a, a WEMA USA mm. for a couple decades, even though it started here. Got to fix that. And so um, Michelle Lampfear said, well, I'll be the one to bring it back. Oh, that's great. So she's been bringing it back. And this was the first WEMA rally. And there was like 25, 27 of us all gathered okay. in Custer, South Dakota. From all over the country or where? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and the UK. The UK. Yeah. Shout out to Laura, who came all the way from the UK. Um, and this was like a street rider rally or? Yeah. Dirt- so basically it's just, it's a gathering of women riders of all different types of bikes. Uh, many who came from, rode in from around the country all over, um, and doing day rides and then ga- gatherings at night. Super fun. And then some games and stuff. Oh, there was a game that they did last night. We're going to have to do here in the garage. Oh, I think he's here. It's Bagel. Oh, it is bagel. the Bagel. Hello. Hello, Bagler. Hey, hey Bagler, did you buy yourself an Onda? Well. Oh, you did. Look at that. Oh, check it out. Look at that little super cool. What is that? Like a 78? What is it? Nope. Pack 1982 CT70. Oh, wow. <gasps> well done. Yeah. Congratulations, you. dude. Did you pee? Yeah, did thanks. you pee in the airbox and give him 300 bucks? Uh, I did not pee in the airbox. Um, there was no airbox, just a pod filter. <laughs> what did you pee on the pod filter and say, you have a road <laughs> you problem? Did you get it for less than two grand? Yes. Wow. Did you get it for less yes, than one grand? No, not quite. Okay. It was uh, twelve fifty. Not bad. Right. I tell you what, yeah, take it to vintage motorcycle and, and flip I, it for three times. Well, I know what you're going to do with it, and I completely endorse that. Wait, 
Yeah. What's he what going to do, do with it? I'm going to make a, a mini trail 110. So ah. a long time ago, um, I could, did I sell it to you or give it to you? Yes. Yes, you did. Oh, you sold it. the 110 you have. Yeah. Yeah, the 110. Um, yep. Which um, there, were, I mean, there was all kinds of issues with it. That there's no spark and no title and all kinds of good stuff. And I said to Bagel, I said, yeah. "Now look, you're going to look at this bike and you're going to say to yourself, this is in great condition.'" And I said, "Do not get attached to this bike. There's no title with it for a start, and there's no spark, mm-hmm. and both of which yeah. are really going to hurt you because it it got this weird one year only six volt electronic ignition on it." And I said, don't get attached to it. Put that engine in something else. And this was only, what, five years ago, right? Something like that. Yeah, so now you finally bought a bike to put the engine in. Well done, you. Exactly. I'm proud of you, Bagel. It's like you got a Yoshimura pipe on that thing, too. It it does, and it is loud as hell because (laughs) the the baffles were moved out of it. It's a two (laughs) brothers. But I, I would... I, I would like to go back to a, a stock pipe if I if I could, but well, you can or get stock them. style pipe. But yeah, you can get yeah. them. But but it would have to be uh, a high high flow enough pipe for a one ten. But well, I'll see. I'm sure there's all kinds of stuff. Well, I think here. the one ten's got an exhaust on it, hasn't it? Well, it does, but it's a lot bigger than the mm. CT70. Yeah, and that's a like cool exhaust. That exhaust should longer, work, I think. Shouldn't it's it? just loud. You said. Yeah, yeah. But it's well, it, it 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 would, but it's it's not the look I want to go for. Yeah. Well, but I've got I've got plans. Well, congratulations. <laughs> and and I'm hoping, I think so. I'm hoping to have it done for Mid Ohio next year. Awesome. You gonna yeah. ride it to Mid Ohio? It's we no. should. <laughs> and it's got turn signals. Does that mean it's plated? It is. <gasps> it is oh, plated. Um, it's it. The thing is, it's been out of the system for so long that the DMV has to go and pull out the records from the archive, and then have to do like a title search thing because the owner didn't have a title for it, which is part of the reason why I got it for so cheap. Yeah. Um, it, it's also not running super great. Um, it's got a Chinese carb on it. And it's not jetted right, and all kinds of stuff. So, but um, but yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm going to swap the engine in it anyway, so that doesn't really matter. Cool. So, but it's it's a great uh, a great project bike, and it's something I've been I've been kicking around uh, for quite a while, and I'm glad well, I finally uh, had a had a chance to jump on it. Well done, Bagel. You now own a motorcycle. <laughs> hey, I tell a you proper, what, though, a proper motorbike. It is a proper motorbike. <laughs> I was reading the ad, and it said um, that he had the original tail light and turn signals. Is that true? I mean, it's a complete yep. bike, right? Yes, yeah, see, it does have them. Although the the original taillight bracket is broken, uh, it's a two piece where the the taillight like the taillight mount goes into the main bracket. Uh, like the welds broke off, so I'll just get that rewelded and repainted. So, oh, cool, not a big well, deal. Well, and the thing I love about these bikes, and hopefully those are the original tires, because once they're that age, they will never wear out. <laughs> yes, I believe they are. <laughs> <laughs> right on a bowling ball. It's now lifetime tires. Well, hey, I was just sharing. Um, <laughs> lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> I was just sharing a story of a game we played at the Weimar Rally that yes. I think um, we should try here. And babe, you may even want to do it at uh, some of your scooter rallies. It transfers over. Hmm. So what, it was what is simple. It wet the bed. It was no. Uh, they had a five-gallon bucket full of ice and water. Mm-hmm. And then they dropped into the um, bucket things like cotter pin, a Schrader valve, just all these, a nut, just little things you find on a motorcycle. And then basically we took turns. You were you were told you need to find the grommet, rubber grommet. 
and you have to stick your hand down into this bucket of ice and water and dig around and try and find whatever the item you've been assigned mm. and bring it back up. Mm. And of course, your hand is getting more and more numb <laughs> right. as time is going on. <laughs> so, so it might feel really good on a hot day. It reminds me. It reminds me ride. of a game um, that we used to play in school. And what you would do is you would, um, when you when you go on holiday on holiday to the retreat, and you were all in dormitory sleeping, you would get a bucket of warm water, and it's very yeah. important. Oh yeah, that you had to have warm water, <laughs> and then you'd go up to somebody and you'd put their hand in the bucket of warm water, and they'd pee the bed. Yep, guaranteed. <laughs> it's absolutely guaranteed. And you could you light, light farts too. Yes. No, we didn't do the lighting farts, but you put it works. You'd put the comrade's hand in the bucket of warm water and they'd piss the bed. <laughs> Guaranteed. Um so <laughs> and as you know, I have the KLR out there. Yes, the blue one. Yes. Which was the another bargain from Mototown. Yeah, so I got to ride the KLR around and well, was it a nostalgic journey for you, dear? Which part? Riding your old KLR. Well, I never really rode it before. So. Well, I know. <laughs> I got more time than that than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, I know. Does it still ride good? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it is a great, great bike for there because most people are riding big cruisers around there. It's sweeping hills. Some You get into like some of the parks and you're doing really tight hairpin turns, but they're like five mile an hour turns. Right. Or I mean, and you have so many RVs and tourists and buffalo and shit that – it's no one's really going fast. Can't. So the KLR will go anywhere Greatest and do anything. But it's still fun on on you know inflickable on the turns. Um and then uh you can also go in the dirt on it. Go everywhere. It's the greatest motorcycle in the world. It was, but then when I was trying to come So if a buffalo gives you a dirty look and then runs away across the field, you can chase after it and give it a very stern talking to. <laughs> so I did. I did see the buffalo, and um, that wasn't the problem. They're not the best looking animals, really, are they? You know, when looks were doled out to animals, I don't think buffaloes were quite very high on. No, the, the buffalo were cool, they're quite majestic. I don't know if you can see the scab on my lip. I thought that was herpes. No, that's where the donkey bit me. What? What? <laughs> you were giving a donkey a French kiss, and it bit you, Liza. <laughs> No kissing the donkey. Well, so that's what you give her going to a donkey show. Well, before we went <laughs> into the park, I'm like, oh, I got, I got to go get some donkey food. And some of the girls are like, what? What's donkey food? So I go over to the grocery store. I took Laura with me, and I got a bag of carrots, a bag of apples. I go to the cashier, and she goes, oh, you're going to feed the donkeys. I'm like, yeah, see? She knows. <laughs> so we go to the park, and you find the donkeys. The donkeys are at Custer State Park. And here's kind of the cool story. These are the descendants of the donkeys from when they used to do the donkey rides, and then they stopped doing donkey rides, so they just released them in the park. So, now so these are donkeys with a grudge. No. Because Grandpa... No, these are donkeys living the life. This is reparations. No, it is, but these donkeys are pissed that Grandpa had to give insufferable children No, not rides. pissed at all, because they lived their life walking around the well, park, the having a tourist, you. living their Feed best them. life. So explain so, why you got bitten by one. On the lip. <laughs> because I put the carrot in my mouth oh, so I could get a God kiss. And then the donkey just went, <laughs> took my whole face. Tell me somebody's got a picture of that or a video. <laughs> Oh, God almighty. That's great. Just a little bit. It was being quite gentle as it could, but yes, I got a mouthful of donkey. 
Um, gentle but Or it got a mouthful of me. They just slip at the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, God. Uh, what kind of breath do donkeys have? I, I imagine it's pretty grim. Um, mostly smells like carrots and apples. What, is, what does they taste like? And, and saltines. Their mouth what all the tourists are did you them. Did you get like the saliva uh, as well? <clears throat> no. So they're probably quite dry in the mouth. No, they have quite supple lips, you know. Mm. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> So but the, then they have uh, they have all that hair. I would assume it's much like kissing John. <laughs> well, oh God! <laughs> th- then it was the best oh kiss we've ever well, had. Look, he's got quite supple lips too. He's just got all that. I wouldn't know hair around it. I have great lips. Okay, we're just derailing right now. <laughs> this is wow. a motorcycle um, podcast, you know. Yes, I do know. Um, but so, but here I am, like riding this KLR, perfectly happy, and then uh, Michelle's KLR is there. Laura's right. riding it, so having somebody riding the same kind of yeah, bike yeah. is great. But even when we went for a group ride, and we had people with like Victory and a Harley, and we had people with um, Triumph Tigers, we had all different types of bikes in the group. Everyone can ride together great. in these kind of hills. We're all competent riders. Um, yeah, so doing hairpins and, and all sorts of stuff. Really great. Um, except the KLRs could go do the dirt. Right. That's the big difference. And there's a lot of dirt. A lot of it is just, just dirt roads that just end out in a field and you just kind of, you're just going down a dirt road past mailboxes. Next thing you know, on a Jeep track and looking right. at like woods. See, my question is, is it kind of different out there? So you see California, we get used to. Certainly in coastal California, everything is owned. So sooner or later, you're going to end up on someone's land and, you know, you get guns pulled on you and God knows what. No, no. Whereas out there... They have fire roads everywhere. I was going to say, it strikes me there's probably a lot more public land. A lot of public land, yeah. Yeah. Just, you can just ride. Well, and this isn't public land, but right behind, um, up the hill from her house is a gravel yard for a construction crew. Oh, that's fine. That is basically my play area. Because it's got, you know, the hard packed gravel over here and it's got the soft gravel and now it's got the mud and the puddles and then it's got grass over here, you know, good weeds and, and we, I, that's where we go. I take people up there and we're just sliding well, around. Where, where, where are the gravel men when this is They're going? They're not there. This is just the storage yard, but there's no gates or anything. Oh, so okay. It's great. I have a great time there. And, but when I'm trying to explain to women who've only ridden cruisers, Right. What the KLR is like, because I'm like, this is the perfect bike for here. I can go everywhere, do everything. And then <clears throat> when I'm trying to explain to somebody on, say, a Harley or a Victory, I'm like, you want to try it? Oh, I should prepare. You'll hate it. <laughs> 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 You're going to go, why would anyone ride this kind of abomination? It feels like a tractor. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's got a two by four for a seat. There's nothing you would like about it. Other than the fact it can go anywhere. <laughs> I mean, as someone who's not the world's greatest fan of KLR 650s, no, I think you, you, you're really not. But when you're, you're, you're explaining to somebody who's used to, yeah. to riding a big bagger, right. and you're like, right. you want to try it? Oh, let me prepare you. Well, I, I, would, <laughs> I would argue that after a big bagger, I mean, a KLR 650 is really quite agile, you know? Um, it, uh, maybe. In a I different mean, if you're not, way. If you're not yeah, yeah. used to it. Um, got to see Mount Rushmore and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you go to the uh, the other memorial that you're just building? Uh, uh, Crazy Horse, Crazy you go Horse, by yeah. it all the time. Yeah, it's great. I went in it, there when I was there. It's it was, between it was here and there. Oh, I did a favor for Michelle that I think was uh, unappreciated. Hmm. Oh? Yeah, well, a lot of the women who were gathering in her, in her yard behind the motel um, were smoking. 
And one of the women who was a smoker said, oh, you know, I notice a lot of people smoking. They don't know where to put their butts. So I'm like, well, let's find something. Hey, let's go over. There's an antique mall over here. So I went to an antique mall. I'm looking at like coffee cans and buckets. And I'm like, I found the perfect thing. So I, I got it, purchased it, took it back, presented it to Michelle. Here you go. It's a antique bedpan perfect. for everyone to put their butts in. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> And she's like, uh, thanks. <laughs> Does she smoke? No. Because I put a bedpan in her yard and she's like, <sighs> I, thought well, it, I thought it was brilliant. I think she's probably concerned that someone's going to use it and she'll get up in the morning and there'll be a turd in there or something. Well, um, yeah. So that was a great... So that was your ride report. Um, that was my ride report. You, I know you've got a ride report coming john i do but we're yeah. going to hold off on that because we want matt here and naked yeah. jim but you had a good time oh, I had, we had such a blast we went up to i can just say we went up to mendocino yes national oh. forest a group of us it was incredible i'm not done i had one more thing oh sorry. sorry i have sorry. a list here i have a list here oh okay. so um at one of the point <clears throat> one of the women who normally rides harleys and yeah, she yeah, yeah. Harleys, uh shout out to linda we had a great chat we were going for a ride through custer state park not a big ride and i said Hey, you want to come? Just hop on the back of my bike because she's having eye surgery soon, so she couldn't ride. She just came to help out. Hop on the back. I'll take you. Just, we're just going to do a nice, easy ride. So as we're doing this ride, we're just kind of chatting, right? Yeah. And uh, I'm waving to bikers. There's bikers everywhere. And some of the Harleys aren't waving back. And she's a Harley rider. So I'm like, what's up with your people? Why aren't they waving back? She's like, uh, I mean, come on. It's like I don't have the energy to wave to every single person. I mean <laughs> – I get, she's like, no, I mean, especially when there's a lot of bikes out, I don't wave back. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're breaking the code. <laughs> wait a minute. What? You're one of them? You're one of the ones that doesn't wave back? Oh, nasty Hold business. On. And she's like, no, I mean, I wave back. I mean, sometimes, but it just depends if I'm not paying attention or I'm not looking. She's her, not waving you back know, if you're da, not da, 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 da. And, and I'm like. Hold on, I got a problem with this. I said, and in fact, tell you what, new game, it's called, I'm going to wave at every biker that comes by. And if it's a Harley and they don't wave, I'm going to whack you on the leg. <laughs> and guess what? Let's make it fair. If it's not a Harley and they don't wave, you can whack me. Mm-hmm. Well, guess who got all the whacks? Well, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, we know. So I'm whacking her on the leg, right? And she's like, stop that. So now... It's in her best interest to get them to wave. So she's on the back of my bike, just waving, really <laughs> exaggerating, like waving, trying to get them to wave back so she doesn't get thumped. And I said, this right here is called oh, conditioning. No. Uh, yep. Oh, no. <laughs> so, Emma, what do they do in England? They, do you just nod? or Because you're not going to... Well, yeah, because you... You, it, you can't it, pull your hand off the throttle. You, you really can't pull your hand off the throttle. So generally, it's just a nod. Like, is in a... Yeah, but we, I mean, in England, everyone's very jealous of the people who, who drive on the other side of the road because oh, you can wave, wave properly. Yeah. Do the pro- but generally, it's an odd because mm. you don't want to release your throttle hand because mm-hmm. no. everyone in England gives it the beans all the time. It's all about giving it the beans ah. all the time. So if you let off your throttle you're, hand, you're not it's death. It yeah, it's be- just instant death because decelerating your bike inadvertently just to wave Does at somebody. Does it suck in the beans when you decelerate? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> well, I also did further develop my uh, Biker Wave Rochambeau. What? Have I not told you about this? No. Uh, Biker Wave Rochambeau. Um, 
So when you see an approaching biker, I, can I gauge by the type of bike what kind of wave they might do. Okay. And so <laughs> oh, yeah. I decided. So, like, the basic waves are the two finger, right? The one finger or the hand, right? Yeah, but it depends on how you're, because the Harley guys will like way down. Right. Well, we'll yeah. get to that. So, so I decide Rochambeau, two fingers beats one finger, one finger beats a hand, hand beats two fingers. So, you try and guess what wave they're going to give you. And then you give them a wave. I'm like, oh, it's another Harley. They're going to give me the two finger. I'm going to give them the one finger. Oh no, no the the hand, <laughs> the hand, right? Yeah, two beats one. One beats paper. Okay, <laughs> paper <laughs> beats two. And so I was playing biker wave Rochambeau. It then went another level. Mm. Then there's more point systems coming into play, which you also have to guess how, how low they're going to hang their hand out. Yep. Okay. Whoever hangs their hand out lower wins a point. But if you go more than six inches lower than them, you lose a point. Oh. Right. If you match, then no point to either. But so you have to guess where they're going to go. And then there's, oh, yeah, it's a whole, it became very complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Too much time on your hands. Yeah. But that's okay. Well, but here's a, here's another thing I was working on while I was there. Yes. You know, I love to try and uh, work on bikes, but I came into a bike that I could not get running. Oh, damn. And I was like, I need to ask Miss Emma for help with this. Okay. Um, in fact, I have the owner of the bike with us right now. Oh, To right. ask for help. Who is that owner? Who is that owner? Michelle, are you there? Oh, it's Michelle. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Hey, Michelle. And she she's on duty at the, the desk, gang? so she may have to run away. Oh, really? Are you, are you on duty at the, <laughs> at the at the at the motel Custer? I am. Yeah, I'm working hard. Hardly working. What time is it there, darling? <laughs> that's that's more like it, actually. Yeah. Yes. Um, it is just after seven. Oh, okay. So not late. And and if you recognize no. that voice, this is Michelle from Adventure Rider Radio Raw podcast. Yeah. You're big time. Thanks for letting me join you. Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. So, all right, real quickly, Emma. Yes. Michelle has a bunch of bikes there that anyone can go ride. And one of them is this great little XT225. Yes. Carbureted bike. Yes. That for the life of me, I could not get started. Not only could not get started, could not get a single sputter. Oh, no. And and I can tell you why. It's, It's quite a common problem. Well, hold on. I'll tell you what I did do. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, I did spray. I took out the fuel, the the air filter, yes. sprayed starter fluid right happen. in the pipe. Nothing. No. Took the spark plug out, confirmed spark, but sprayed not- fluid down the spark plug hole. Yes. Nothing. Not a single, mm. pu- pu- not nothing. a nothing. Yes. As if it had no compression, right. no right. fuel, no, right. no nothing. <laughs> yes. So Michelle's like, no, 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 it'll start. I'm like, oh, no, this is like, yes. it's major. It's no, a, you I, need I know what's wrong it's, with it's this bike. It's got a big problem. And Michelle's like, no, no. So let <laughs> Michelle describe her special little machine. And Miss, Miss Emma, I'm so sorry because you're gonna, obviously, I think you've already probably diagnosed this because I heard you say common problem. But let me just say, I got the strangest looks when I said, I know what my bike likes. My bike likes to sit in the sunshine with the sun warming up that side of the engine where the carburetor is. Yes, it does. And it's so silly. It's a cold starting girl. So I sit her in the sun. She's a bit finicky. I get it. I know the carburetor problem. And I'll give you a couple of um, details in a sec. 
But I said, you guys, eventually what they did was, of course, kill the battery because they kept trying to start it. But you can tell I know the bike. I don't know exactly how to fix the problem. But if I sit it in the sun on a warm day, it'll sideways, start. and it starts right up. Yeah, but because it's, it's not a, a carburetor problem. <gasps> oh, oh, okay. So the XT225 is, is an odd little bike. When Yamaha made that bike... It was built basically from um, a dirt bike. So if you look at the, the, the side casing, the right-hand side casing, you'll see a hole for the kickstart, but of course the kickstart isn't there. They put an electric start on it. But what right. they didn't realize was they were concerned that the, when, you, when you press the button, um, it had sucked so much power out of the generator that it wouldn't develop enough spark to spark the bike. So what they did was they put a tiny little generator of its own just for the sparks, and it fails. And what that, how that manifests itself is if you lay the plug on the bike, you'll get a spark. I mean, yeah. it's very feeble, but you'll get a spark. So you think, oh, I've got a spark. It's not enough spark. And when you leave it in the sun, it warms up the bike sufficiently that it can turn over quickly and actually fire it up. So the fix is there's two ways you're going to be able to start your bike. First is make sure that you've got the greatest battery in the world. All right. Yeah. And okay. that means a UASA and a, a fairly young one. These okay. XT225s respond very well if you crank the bike for a second, take your finger off the button and then crank it a second time. And it should fire right up because you're kind of fooling the pulse generator. If it doesn't do that, you're going to need to put a new generator in it. Okay. It's not well, a carburetor problem. Other... It's a generator problem. So yeah. try that. Try that first. Just crank it for like okay. a couple of seconds. Take your finger off the start button and then hit it again. And it should fire right up. When they're kind of on the brink, they'll do that. And you can you can kick that can down the road for for a year, but if it doesn't do it, you're going to have to put a generator in it. It's a very co common problem with XT two twenty fives. That wow. is super helpful, and I appreciate it. No, I've, got I've a put a couple I more have... details. Yeah, please. Just just in case that it's of interest and makes any difference. So um, obviously, it's got a petcock valve, and when that is on, the fuel is left on. It's dripping. So it's yeah. actually just kind of a steady drip. No, that's Not right. too worried about it. But the difference is it also has an aftermarket safari tank on it. So I get a more extended range when I'm out on dirt trails, etc. So what I suspected, and I told Liza, and I'm probably completely wrong, especially based on what you're saying, um, was that the fuel, the way that safari tank is designed is there are low spots on either side of the, the frame where the tank kind of hangs down a bit lower yes. and there's fuel in the bottom of it, but there's not maybe it because obviously gravity fed, I assume there's maybe a higher point where it's draining into the tank or excuse me, down into the line and into the carburetor. So I thought that the fuel was maybe a little bit low. And what I did was throw a gallon of gas in it and set it in the sun and it started right up, but it's got a spot very quickly in the throttle where it's just too rich um, so it actually starts to sputter and die if I give it any throttle. 
and it, I've had the carburetor cleaned, rebuilt. It, it, it's just, I mean, it's just kind of a crummy, I think it's a McCooney carb. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a just, little CV carb. They're, they're not the best carburetors, but these are not these these are not the greatest starting bikes in the world, um, and okay. they never have been. And the other one is the T Dub. Right. The T Dub's terrible <laughs> starting bikes. Shares the same. <laughs> it shares the same um, generator problem. No, you got generator problems, son. Well, and okay. it's very very Perfect. well documented. If you do a Google search on XT225 generator starting problems. You'll read everything you need to know about it. It's very well, common. I, I trust that you are giving me the right direction. Well, so because it's easy to go down the rabbit it. hole of the carburetor. And you think, oh, it's the carburetor. Yeah. It's, the carburetor. it's not. It's the generator. That's what I've been thinking. Yeah, and it's okay. just that little bit of heat. It's, it allows the engine to spin that just that little bit quicker. And remember, when you've got a little bit of heat on the engine, even that little bit of residual heat on the cylinder head just helps with the combustion. I mean, it's not sure. that you don't have – it's not that you have no spark. It's a very, very feeble spark. Now, once it's started for the day, it'll run for the remainder of the day, of course. That's exactly right. As yeah. soon as it's hot, it stops and starts, restarts fantastically. But in the but winter time starting. and in the fall and in the spring, it's an absolute bugger to start. Just first thing in the morning. After that, it's great. Exactly. So try okay. that trick. Yeah. Try that trick. Crank it a couple of seconds. Take your finger off the button and then press it again. And it might fire right up because you're fooling the pulse generator. If it doesn't do that, you're just going to have to put a generator in it. And they ain't cheap. Um, genuine <laughs> Yamaha ones, about 250 bucks. Um, you can buy Chinese ones for probably less than 100 It's a crapshoot, though. I know a couple of people have yeah. put Chinese ones in, and they've lasted for a long time. I know other people, it's like started once and it's junk. So, all right. Well, there you go, Michelle. Aren't you glad we got Ask Miss Emma here? I, I, I Are never you kidding? Gotten Absolutely. I've I would like, I would like a report. Years. I would like a report from <laughs> you how you're getting on with that, dear. And I will do. XT225 is a great little bike. They are, but I think it'd be better if I lived in Arizona. <laughs> well, did you know that that bike has a name? It's actually the got Cerro? a. Cerro? Yeah, the Cerro Mountain Goat. Yeah. Which suit, yeah. which really suits it. I didn't even know what a Cerro was, but apparently it is a, a goat of the mountainous variety. And that kind of suits is. the bike very well because it's very light and agile. Um, and they make good power, and you can kind of scramble up mountainsides in them. You can, and it's perfect for fire trails here in shale and kind of scree hillsides and can dirt ask, everywhere. It, can I ask what year it is? 2004. Yeah, it's still got the Gen 1 generator in it. I mean, okay. they have improved things by now. I mean, the really bad starting ones were the 90s, um, but they're all as bad. I mean, they're they're all just <laughs> crappy starters. Um, well, I can, I can vouch for me having one too, yes. she. I think I, I, of course, joke that my bike has a personality and she's a finicky woman. She just want to, wants to live in a warmer climate. She's yeah, tired she of does. South Dakota, I think. Yeah, she's got, <laughs> she, poor, poor dear, she's got a bit of arthritis. But do try, so. do, do try that <laughs> trick. Crank, crank. I will. Button off and then hit it. 
and it might you might find it fires right up for you. Perfect. Thank you so much for the helpful info, and I will give you an update. Cheese, Daya. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. <laughs> good, good to chat with you all. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity you too. to pop in and say hello. Well, um, I'd love to come South over Dakota. there, and and you know, it, it 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 looks very salubrious accommodations. Salubrious, <laughs> yeah, salubrious. I've never heard that word. Yes. Does that mean it's it greasy? What does that no, mean? No, it means it's comfortable. God oh, Almighty! Wow. Oh, I thought that meant something with alcohol. Never mind. <laughs> 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 no, but it looks very nice, darling. I should ride out there. How long Thank does the ride you. take, John? Uh, well, it depends on it. It'll take three days. three days. Yeah, yeah, yeah three day ride. If, yeah. You know, it's I could go out days. and visit Mike Beck on the way. You could. I? Mm-hmm. I could it's go such out. a beautiful ride. Mm. Yeah, Grand Tetons is an amazing. Mm. Yeah, cool. yeah. There's a lot of beautiful stuff between here and there. Come on out anytime. You know you're welcome. Oh, cheers, there. Cool. I <laughs> might, I might just decide to live there. You know, I'm, I oh, yes, oh, I'm going to live here there, now. There's a shack out back. I keep wanting to fix up. You'd be <laughs> great there. And I've got a little bike just for you. <laughs> yeah, a broken one that needs a bit of fettling yeah. in the start. Yes, okay then. Exactly. Right here. All right. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, Michelle. Thanks, guys. All right. See, see you later. Guys. Bye. Take care, Michelle. So, so that was my surprise ask, Miss. That was your surprise ask, Miss. Yeah. No XT two twenty fives. It was. It was a. It was a clever piece of design, but quite rotten, really. Yeah. And you know, they're great little bikes. Otherwise, they they're a nice bike with a nasty little problem. Well, I'm I'm glad that you knew because I I really worked on. That I know. I, 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 I I'm like I, I can't figure it out. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, um, Emma, while you were on your trip, yes, uh, there was a topic I brought up. Oh, in Italy, land. Yes. Um, and you weren't here either, John. Nope. Ne- neither of you. All right. So this is something I've been. It's been on my radar. Chomping at lately, the bit. But it's not something new. I found out. Actually, it goes back a while. Well, we're going to get the history on that. So I brought up uh, the the motorcycle-only checkpoints that are happening in New York, and I'm seeing more and more people posting videos of of these events happening. And, I, you know, I think we've all seen it, but I never really processed it that much. And I started asking around, uh, and, and, you know, we got some friends in the AMA, so I called some friends there and said, so what's up with these motorcycle-only checkpoints? I want to understand how these are happening. Um, so I've... We're bringing on some people to talk about this, and with us, uh, the director of government relations for the AMA. We're going right to the top here in this type of stuff. I got Mike Sarah on here. Mike, you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Liza. Hey, how you doing? Oh, not too bad. How are you? Good. We got Bagel and John and Emma here. Hey, Mike. And hey, you're, Mike. You're in? Howdy. Are you in DC? Just outside of Maryland. Yes, getting all that stuff done. So. This has been something, you guys have been working on this a while, right? Motorcycle-only checkpoints? Yes, quite a while. Um, And the real place they kind of remain is stubbornly in New York City. Uh, They are not nearly as common elsewhere, which will, um, at these days, which I guess we'll get into in a little bit. Yeah, so um, I've been watching more and more videos about this now. Um, here's the answer that I, I got loosely, and I want to see if you agree with this, that these motorcycle-only checkpoints are unconstitutional, but they are legal. Well, we certainly think they are unconstitutional, but uh, court cases have found otherwise. Yeah. In fact, it went up pretty high, I think just below the Supreme Court, right? 
Correct. The New York Appeals Court. Uh, am I getting close? The I have uh, I have a write up. Yeah, yeah, over yeah. I know. I have, I have it around here too. Um, uh, it's, one of the uh, appeal appeals courts below yeah, the uh, Supreme Court. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And the reason that they found it legal is a clause. Now, Mike, do you understand this clause? Can you explain this clause? It seems somewhat vague. Essentially, you're allowed to do checkpoints for a variety of reasons. One of the things you are not allowed to do, and it's very explicit, is general crime control. You can't just be stopping everybody in an effort to eliminate crime. But there are some ways you can do them where it's about general public safety. There is a, a you know, good natured interest in the government to do this. It's kind of known as a, a special needs doctrine. Um, essentially the same idea where you may have a, you know, a drunk driving checkpoint. It's there is motorcyclist fatalities are well represented for our numbers on the road. And so the idea was you're allowed to do these things for the purposes of safety. Um, as long as you follow a few things um, that they are, uh, can be plainly seen. They must be fairly well organized, um, and they cannot extend the stop any longer than rationally necessary, which is a pretty vague. Uh, yeah, that is very that vague. Yeah, everything I'm reading it is kind of vague. And it's motorcycles and scooters, from what I read, also right. Absolutely, and and that the where they originally kind of the idea for them came from. Um, is more not necessarily in the city. Um, there's honestly a particular uh, New York state police officer uh, who kind of pioneered the idea and they were well outside the city. Um, there was a famous one um, on folks who on the way up to America where they stopped hundreds mm-hmm. of bikers like that. And the NYPD has kind of adopted and adapted it to their situation. And they're a lot more likely to be catching scooters, obviously in the city than you would be in upstate New York. Right. Um, so, interestingly enough, Mike, um, this is Miss Emma. I've been subject to a couple of these checkpoints. Um, first, quite recently, in Italy, of all places. Mm-hmm. And um, there was... The way it works in Italy, um, basically, we were riding into a very, very small village in the Dolomites. And there was a couple of police cars who were interested only in motorcycles and especially in me. And so, of course, I get pulled over. And they're very interested in documents, and they're very interested in checking the bike. What I found out subsequently is these are city cops from Milan, from Turin, who have committed some mistake at work and are sent out into the provinces as punishment. And they say, look, you're going to be doing motorcycle-only checkpoints for the next month until you get your head screwed on right. And it was, truthfully, it was quite frightening. It was quite scary. It was quite arbitrary. Because, of course, when they're done with you, now they start on the bike. And I was riding a rental bike. So you Mm -hmm. think, oh, God, I hope this thing is maintained. Um, The time previous to that, it was about, um, I used to drive large tour buses um, for a living. And about 25 years ago, um, on Highway 80 coming into Reno, there was a notorious tour bus only checkpoint. And mm. all they were interested in out of all the traffic, out of all the cars, motorcycles, trucks, were just tour buses. 
and they'd pull you over, check all your documents, including a logbook, because, of course, back then we used to write our own logbooks, and then they would go to town on the bus. And they actually pulled that because Nevada deemed it unconstitutional. And that's what stopped them. So I'm I'm familiar with these single vehicle only um, checkpoints. My opinion of this that's going on in New New York is not only is it legal and unconstitutional, even though the court says otherwise, it is extremely lazy policing at best. Yeah. Yeah. So what you would see in the kind of the outside the city type checkpoints, they are, I guess, if anybody has seen like a DUI checkpoint or something like that, it's, you know, it is a well set up. There's there's signs. It's easy to see. There's a lot right. of folks cops there and they're processing people. And, and um, Whereas in the city, they they're take on the kind of form of what they call like a step out operation where it's like you don't know they're there until a cop steps out from behind a parked car when you're waiting at a light and says pull over here. They are they are right. not visible. They are out of, you know, in which, as we've learned, trying to file some freedom of information requests is that that, you know, if you're doing a formal vehicle checkpoint in the city of New York, the the NYPD's patrol guide says you cannot do it on a specific type of vehicle. It has to be this, you know, non-arbitrary. You can't just do motorcycles. You have to be you can do every third vehicle or something like that, but you can't just do motorcycles. And so when we foiled about the, um, you know, in New York, it's that uh, it's foil with an L. Um, we made requests about it, as have others. They go, well, we don't do motorcycle only checkpoints because look here in our patrol book, it says we can't do that. So they do these step out operations, which don't require paperwork, don't require the same kind of signage and all this other stuff. And it's it's what you see in the YouTube videos. Right? It's just folks just, I guess, depending on the type of road on an average city block, they do that. And then. On cases where it's a a limited access road, whether it's a bridge or something like that, they will t- take four lanes down to one lane. Yeah, and often, and especially on a nice hot day, they'll find bikes filter up to the front, which is still illegal in New York, mm-hmm. and then punish those folks who filter up to the front. And all the while, you have an audience of thousands of cars looking at the cause of their traffic. That, that's woes. entrapment. That's entrapment. I see it as. I got I got into a pretty heated argument with a former NYPD officer who is now runs a training program about that practice. This because he had it came around when he was still still an officer, but he felt this you know you don't want to get caught for it, don't do it. Or it's well you're creating a potentially dangerous situation for a motorcycle sitting in traffic, whether it's from the heat or from an inattentive driver behind them. And they're gonna not you know a ticket is better than. An injury or worse. So uh, I want to go back to the start because as I've been researching this, I'm going back to 2007 and the operation, uh, was it two, the operation, what's it called? 2505? Uh, uh, 5060. Uh, operation 5060. So you're familiar with this. So if you guys don't know. Right. Um, I read it. Yeah. There there was a, an officer chasing a motorcyclist. He was in a car um, and the motorcyclist can go much faster than the car. And the officer ended up crashing and dying, right? So mm-hmm. that kind of kicked off more this more driving skills required. What are we going to do about these bikers? We need right. to we st- what? And and now you go into why would that biker run? Right? Maybe he does has a, a suspended license. Maybe it's a stolen bike. Maybe it's a whatever. Right? So 
now we're just going to set up these nets to catch them. I, there were other things, too, that led into this. And we have to recognize, too, there are a lot of problems in New York and, and elsewhere. But in New York, with stolen bikes, you get like the 12 o'clock boys on the quads and dirt bikes. You get stunters. You get these electric moped bikes that will do 65 miles an hour after you hack them that everyone is using on sidewalks and going wherever. Um I mean, and talk about stolen bikes, huge problems. So many stolen bikes there, right? Unlicensed, unregistered, uninsured, un all these things. So we got to recognize that. They do have a big problem. I get it. And I'm not justifying these motorcycle checkpoints. But like I saw a video of a guy on a sport bike. He happened to be blogging. So he had the video going and he stopped at a light. And out of nowhere, a cop came from the side and tackled him. Right, step out. And pushed him off the bike onto the sidewalk. Wow. And slammed the bike down and then ran over and handcuffed him. And the guy is on the ground going, what did I do? What? What? What is this about? Mike, are the you hell? familiar with this video? And, I don't know. I've seen many like it. He's like, what did I do? And the cop said, well, you have a license plate tucked up underneath and Every bike I've ever seen with that license plate tuck like that has always run on me. So I was just going to get you before you could run. Jeez. And he's like, you didn't even turn on your lights. I would have pulled over. And yeah. so you know, on the one hand, you go, yes. well, this person was just body slammed. That sounds like police, police brutality ground. to me. But yeah. on the other hand, he says, every bike with a license plate tucked on underneath, you know. That well, is, would you like that to talk? due process. Well, I know, but I'm saying. Well, I There's think it's Liza. I think it's We're, time to talk about our experience at Laguna Seca not three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I don't know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. I have no idea what you're talking about. Because we were on um, a certain booth with a certain two highway patrol officers. Yeah. And the one highway patrol officer made that blanket statement that every single bike incident he's ever attended was the biker's fault. Did you forget already? <laughs> oh. Yeah, um, Mike, I was talking to him about headlight modulators and mm. if, uh, you know, if, if crash scenes he's been to, how many times, the if it was, you know, a bike versus car, that the drivers of the car said, I didn't see them. And I was trying to establish how many times did he think maybe headlight modulators would have made a difference. And his response was, every single accident I've ever been to was the fault of the biker. That doesn't make wow. any sense to me. That <laughs> sounds like a prejudiced uh, view. Well, I mean, maybe that's the point that Emma's trying to make. Uh, but, there you go. So let's go back to the other comment you made, though. I mean, what, from what I'm reading in the articles, a bunch of them are for bad helmets or loud mm -hmm. exhausts. I mean, bo bo technically, mm -hmm. both of those are illegal. So, and I get, I, so the issue is the pull, the random pulling over, but they're getting caught for illegal activities. So, so that's the thing. They're pulling mm -hmm. them over and then they're looking for the infraction. Now, Mike, isn't that the standpoint that you have to, you can't pull someone over just to find the infraction. You need to know what it is first. Um, in the case of a, you know, real, uh, to kind of to separate from the step out mm -hmm. operations versus a real checkpoint in, in the data we really have is from the older quote unquote real checkpoints that are the, you know, illegal helmets or exhaust and things like that. We actually have some data for that. We don't really have good data for the step outs because of the problems trying to get information out of the NYPD. Um, but yeah, in, in the safety checkpoints previously, those 
they don't necessarily need a reason. You are, you go into them and then you're supposed to be, you know, it is supposed to be for safety. And I would argue like a novelty helmet is a safety concern, you know, a update registration sticker or exhaust probably is not a safety issue. It's, it's an equipment issue and they can certainly issue you a ticket for it, but it's not a safety issue, which is the point of the, uh, checkpoint to begin with the step out things in the city it is is just it's like like the example you said of the guy getting tackled it's it's the mipd they don't really necessarily feel they need a reason you know um, they'll find one and the um, exhaust thing we've we've heard there's been efforts in the past you know a motorcycle that leaves a factory has a stamp somewhere on the exhaust that right. indicates it was epa approved yep and cops in New York, and it was, a, I think it was a law proposed at one point uh, kind of before my time at the AMA to, if you don't have that stamp, you, and the cop can't find it on the side of the road, your exhaust is illegal. Well, those stamps are never made for roadside inspections. Sometimes you, the cop have to crawl on their back underneath the bike on a bigger, like a gold wing or something like that. They have to remove panels. And these are the kind of things that they think are reasonable things to do. And then when you actually take a look at how it applies to actual motorcycles on the road, it, it, it doesn't really make sense and it's not appropriate, but those ideas still persist. If I don't see so, a stamp, your exhaust is illegal. And my concern a little bit is if you have an organized checkpoint, then that you would think there's at least some research that goes in ahead of time because it's an organized thing. If you're just doing a step out, then the chances are it's just a cop on the beat who's actually performing it. And the knowledge of actually what is legal and not legal may not be entirely accurate. Um, we were talking about an example, and again, this is well documented on YouTube, of a motorcyclist who had a um, a ram camera mount on yeah, his helmet. He, he he was pulled over on one yep. of these step outs, told to come over, and when he was saying, um, "What's the issue? What what and, is illegal here?" And they said, "You can't have a camera on your helmet." And he said, "Well, um, I I've looked into this, and if you don't mind, can you please show me the uh, where it says in you know." in your book, whatever, that this is illegal. And they said, well, like, look, you can't have cameras or mohawks or anything because that can come dislodged. Now it's a projectile going down the road and it can hurt somebody. And he's like, I understand, but can you show me where it's right. written? And one cop is on his uh, tablet trying to look it up and he can't, well, he's like, no, but just like, you, you can't have that. And he goes, I, I understand. Can you show me? And another one says, hold on, we have an app. And he's looking at him. He goes, "Look, no, you just need to go to the like the VOJ website or something like that, right? And you you'll look it up there." And he's like, "You you keep telling me that this is illegal, but you can't show me anywhere in writing where it states it." Yeah. So the, you, yeah. if you know the citation, issue the citation. If it's speeding, if it's something else, there's you. That's what you write on the ticket. And then what you are you going to write on the ticket in this case? Then you hear, I'm very familiar with that video. I had some conversations with yes. folks in here about that. And, and it where it comes from is the a lot of states will take what the it's a lot like the EPA stamp idea, but for helmets, they take the Federal Motor Vehicle Safety Standard uh, for helmets, which is that number 218, which has a lot of rules for the manufacture of helmets. In mm -hmm. order for a helmet to be sold as DOT certified, it it can't have things protruding out from uh, over more than oh, like a right. few millimeters. And but that has nothing to do with what the end user does. 
Right. And there was another video I was watching where you can, in the background, there are two cops discussing, trying to figure out what they were going to write it up. And they're like, well, could we, maybe we can do it as this, or I don't know, maybe it could be this. They were trying to figure out what, what to write it up as, <laughs> you know, like they're not really clear. They're, they're literally looking for things. So the argument against this is, is it an unlawful search and seizure? Is it a lack of due process? Is it, you know, where, what's the argument from the AMA's perspective against it? We, you know, we have a board approved position statement, which is kind of our biggest issues against motorcyclist profiling, which is much broader than just motorcycling checkpoints. But the idea that motors, the idea that motorcycles are any more inherently lawbreaking than any other demographic is nonsense. And anything that treats us that way is, is incorrect and ideally illegal. And it's been made, motorcycling checkpoints have been made illegal in several states not yeah. around the country, but on the, as far as a, where it stands to us in New York, what this is, is this is stop and frisk for motorcyclists. Yeah. The unfortunate reality is that because when you're in a vehicle, you have a lot more pretext for a stop than you do walking down the street. And it's the, the finding of the about a court case we were talking about before makes it very difficult to challenge these broadly and then i think we can look at the last few years and trying to change police behavior in a positive way for the average citizen hasn't been an absolute struggle for everybody on for issues much bigger than motorcycling and yeah yeah, sorry go ahead so i was going to say why does what's happening in new york why should that concern other riders let me tell you why there was a point where some of these uh, officers, these Leos from New York, were going to other states and teaching them how to do these checkpoints. These these were spreading into other states because they're like, look, yeah. this is working for us. They were they were printing reports of how their checkpoints, how many seizures and this and that uh, they were getting, how many you know right. tickets they were writing. But I do want to say. That, uh, let's see, as of 2016, Texas, California, Louisiana, Maryland, and 15 other states have banned the MOCs. That's interesting because Cal- California just passed the anti-exhaust law. So it's 1000 bucks if you get caught with an aftermarket exhaust. Mm. So it's interesting to see the juxtaposition there. So. I know. So, Mike, is this something that the AMA was involved with in, in helping get these uh, banned? Yes, and uh, I think... And one really important detail is that at the origin of these, it really comes down to a way for cops to make use of federal funding. Right. There yes. is uh, a, a federal funding program. Um, I believe it's the uh, it's a section 405. And under that, it's kind of uh, these road safety priorities. And section F is motorcyclist safety. And essentially, this was a way to have a bunch of police overtime paid for by the federal government in the form of these checkpoints. Right. Wow. So motorcycle safety money is yes. being used to crush people's bikes. Yes. Well, then not not in New York's case, and that this was oh, for okay. the kind of the older, more more official, well organized. Because in that case, you have to document all this stuff in order to to basically get payback for the uh, from the government, from the federal government. That is now illegal, as part of the uh, 2015 Fast Act. Of that was the. Uh, I forget the exact uh, acronym. Every highway bill has a different mm-hmm. acronym. I just think it was fixing America's surface transportation. Um, that included a ban on federal funding for motorcycle only checkpoints. There it is. And that was one of the things okay. I wanted to point out. 
when you say, what does the AMA do for me? There's a lot of things happening that you may never realize. And one of them was they stopped them from using federal money. So if they're going to do these checkpoints, it's got to come out of their pockets. That federal money should be used for education and other purposes. Right. So even though you guys aren't able to completely get MOCs shut down, you're finding other ways to kind of strap them a little bit tighter. So what I'm hearing is motorcycle checkpoints are illegal. The the step outs are vaguely legal. And it is legal if a, if a cop follows you and you have an aftermarket exhaust and he hears a loud exhaust, he can pull you over and, ch- and check that. At least that, that's happened to a few friends of mine out here. Is that correct? I mean, most likely. I think it, depending on the state, the exhausting is a really state and sometimes uh, municipal municipal uh, area ordinance specific thing. And that in particular is something why we always strongly advocate for an objective scientific measure for those for motorcycle exhaust, whether it's doesn't matter if it's aftermarket or stock, it needs to have some scientific measurable thing. And there is a SAE uh, test for this, both on-road and off-road. I think the on-road is J2825. Is that the specific procedure you can do on the side of a road? So, you know, if I'm legal in, in this town, in this state, that I'll, all falls under the same standard, I'm legal 10 miles up in the next town. doesn't matter what the cops thinks. In a lot of places, it is very subjective. It is, mm. if the motorcycle is louder than stock, well, how does the cop know that for sure? If they can see a different name on the exhaust. Maybe that was a factory aftermarket option that is still, maybe has that EPA stamp on it. I bring it up again. I know yeah. I have a uh, Molly Strata 1260 that I put the uh, termy pipe on. And if you look at it, there's an EPA stamp on it. You would have to crawl underneath it and actually get a view on it because it's blocked by the rear wheel. But it's there. But a cop just sees another name, you know, brand name on a pipe and thinks that's illegal. But there's no objective measure for that. That's why we're really one of our oldest, oldest positions from the very beginning of the AMA about 100 years ago is on excessive motorcycle sound. We all like a good yeah. sounding motorcycle, but a motorcycle that is a little too loud creates a lot of these problems for us. And that's that's why I go ahead. Well, in California, you can't even ship an aftermarket exhaust to your house anymore, right? No, it's for off-road purpose only. That's how well, it's I, labeled. I had a friend I know, who wanted to put one on who had to ship the exhaust to Florida yeah, to get it shipped here. I know. And uh, on a- So uh, here's the thing, too. And I, I do want to, like Emma said, that this is lazy. Right? It is. It's lazy. It's very so, lazy so on the policing. One, on the one hand, I do recognize there are a lot of issues. And I don't want to get Mike's opinion on that. But like, Emma, I found out uh, this is not from a video, but this is somebody who says right. they knew somebody that there was a case where in 1972, Harley Davidson was impounded because the transmission numbers didn't match the uh, bike numbers. That's just crazy. It's, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. So what, right. as far as I can tell, and I stress, this is just my opinion is New York has a problem. Yes. And we know about the problem. We know about the 12 o'clock boys. We know about the uh, the Asian American gentleman who got beaten up and pulled out of his car. Yeah. These was Club, a lot of one percenters there too. Right. Uh, exactly. bikes. And blah, blah, blah. However, so we have public outraged. Mm-hmm. What, are you go- what are you police going to do mm-hmm. about this? And so the police are under pressure to do something about it. Mm-hmm. So it's a dog whistle to placate an angry public. Let's pull over all bikers. The public are going to be happy because they think we're doing something. We can put any cop on the beat on these things. Mm -hmm. They don't need to know anything about motorbikes. 
and when the public can see that we're doing something, it's just you hit the nail on the head. It's absolutely yeah. lazy and arbitrary policing of the worst kind. And the reason I brought up my experience in Italy, the Italian police are punished. That's their punishment is doing these checkpoints. <laughs> you have really got to mess up in your hometown big time to be put on a motorcycle-only checkpoint. It's an absolute dog whistle for an angry public. So here's a, here's a question for you, Mike. Um, like in the case where Harley-Davidson was supposedly impounded because it didn't have matching numbers. So my question is, was that police officer trained in identifying all vehicles and numbers? Just like the same question is, are they trained to identify a non-DOT helmet? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like how much training are they get? And, and where I'm going with this, Mike, I don't know if you're familiar, but years ago, it might have been about 20 years ago, there was a biker here in town who um, he he didn't want to wear a helmet when after they passed the helmet law, right? But you're required to wear a helmet. So he just wore the cheapest, flimsiest, littlest bucket he could find. And the uh, he was getting tickets. So what he did was he took a bunch of helmets, some DOT approved, some not, took all the stickers off the ones that were, he walked into the CHP, laid them all out on the counter and said, please show me which ones are DOT approved. Because if it's if all you're doing is you're looking at a sticker, right? And then he took it to court and he won mm-hmm. based upon that. And I remember when I moved here, I used to see a guy running riding around uh, without a helmet because he won this exemption and nobody wanted to mess with him huh. because I've, they're not trained. Have you heard about that? I've heard I've, maybe not this exact story, but a version of that where essentially the yeah, same thing. He had gotten pulled over so many times for this that in, in whatever ruling the judge finally came out and said, like, this only applies to this person. Yeah, yeah basically. Um and I think in, it, it's true in California, and I believe this, that it's true in New York as well, and a handful of other states, a lot of states, when they first passed a helmet law or reinstated it, they had, in somewhere in, in, in that legislative language, they say the commissioner of motor vehicles or, you know, maybe in California's case, CHP, will publish a list of acceptable helmets. And to our knowledge, none have ever done that because yeah. the... the and whether it's liability or whatever, you'll never be able to keep that list entirely accurate. And if somebody gets hurt because they, while they're, while they were wearing a helmet on their list, God knows. But um, to as far as your question, as far as training, I can't speak to it specifically. But in my interactions, unless you're talking to a motor officer who spends mm-hmm. most of their day patrolling on a motorcycle, who comes to the job with a lot of motorcycle-specific knowledge. They're going to have some cursory training at best. I've seen some of the stuff, um, documents, uh, they had one pulled up here a while ago about the step out stuff in New York. And it really was just, hey, if this exhaust has a a sticker on it that says Yoshimura or two brothers, something like that, like it's it's very basic stuff that is a few sentences long. I think for helmets, there is a bit more there potentially you can 
you know, thickness of the padding, things like that, the sticker. You know, a lot of places, it's if you don't have the sticker, yeah. well, even if it is DOT approved, you're, you know, that in and of itself is a violation. And and I want to say, I'm not, I'm not saying that, I'm not arguing against wearing helmets or wearing DOT mm-hmm. helmets, but this is what you guys do. This is about the law and protecting motorcyclists about unfair, uh, I, mean, I mean, the legal issues. I mean, this is what you do, right? So um, let's talk a second, though, about the problems that they are having in New York. I mean, what is a better solution? If Emma says, this is lazy, it's unconstitutional, they shouldn't do it, what should they do? What could they do? Well, they've done some things, and um, I'm sorry, Jesse, from the New York Motorcycle and Scooter mm-hmm. Task Force couldn't join us um, for this because he could speak to this really well. And I really want to give a lot of praise to that group uh, and all the work they've done on this. Say it they, again, because th- this is where I get a lot of my information, too. The New York Motorcycle and Scooter Task Force. Yes. Um, they're in, an excellent group. And, and I often tell them, having worked with them for several years now, if they were in a, a different state, they could get anything they want done. But they happen to be up against the one of the biggest and toughest bureaucracies in the country. In yeah. Everything that is New York City. Um, there have been some good things, not necessarily out of NYPD, but the New York City DOT, the Department of Transportation, has actually, there's kind of a, um, I don't know how formal it is, but it's essentially a motorcyclist advisory committee of a group of uh, a lot of folks from the Motorcycle and Scooter Task Force. Um, meet with DOT officials about what they can do to improve motorcyclist safety. Some of these things are, rel- are, I think they're really important, but not necessarily on the scale of solving the profiling and checkpoint problem. But it's simple things as that that last parking spot on before you get to a four-way intersection, mm-hmm. make that motorcycle only parking or a bicycle rack, essentially, but right. we want motorcycle parking. That makes that intersection more visible which makes it so that car pulling to that intersection doesn't miss a pedestrian, a bicyclist, or a motorcyclist. They're better able to see them. So that's a relatively small example. And I think in the case of New York, and it's true here, I'm here in D.C. and, you know, you know home of 12 o'clock boys in Baltimore, not, that's not very far away from me right. either. Finding a, a, a solution to folks riding, you know, dirt bikes and ATVs on the street, you know, I, I don't know where every city across the country, what's more prevalent, whether it's a bunch of guys on sport bikes or honestly, you know, dirt bikes and ATVs are probably going to be cheaper and easier to, to, to get and ride around on. I see more dirt bikes and ATVs. What, how do you solve that? And then in, in Baltimore, there's a really good program called B360. That's more aimed at youth. It's a lot of, it's taking these kids um, mm-hmm. on little dirt bikes, getting them off city streets and they have a riding area at the BNO uh, Railroad Museum. Actually, basically gave them a, a parking lot, and they get STEM education. They learn engineering. They learn how to work on bikes, and they, they while doing something they love, riding motorcycles, but and, not on city streets. And, and that's that's the challenge. And you know what? For those of us old enough, we'll remember decades ago when those scofflaw BMXers and skateboarders that they it's, were riding tickets so for. Until they finally realized that they could give them a place to go and that they could then what what happens from that? Once they gave them a place to go, the X Games, that's what happened. That's right. They were able to get creative. Um, hey, guess what? What? Guess who's joined us now? Santa Claus. <gasps> Santa Claus? Jesse. Hey, we've been playing catch up with you. Hey Jesse, how you doing? 
so sorry I'm late. It's, it's <laughs> I got okay. Glad you're here. Sidetracked with some family stuff. Glad you're here at all. Hey, I'm Liza. You got Stumpy John, Miss Emma, Bagel, and you know Mike from the AMA. And we're singing your praises, Jesse, and you yeah. uh, and the Task Force's work. We've just been talking about this whole issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been talking about everything, but you're fighting this from the inside. So you're the founder of the task force. So can you tell us a little bit more about how you came to do that and why? Sure. Uh, and just to clarify, I'm one of the co-founders. Uh, okay. A number of us all at once uh, uh, around the same time in uh, beginning of uh, 2009 I uh, realized that we all had a uh, common interest. Uh, this is it, the, one of the first issues that really kind of joined us together was the loss of the last uh, motorcycle-only parking area in New York City, which was uh, mm. by the South Street Seaport. And um, you know, we had just become aware that this thing, uh, that this parking was going away, and uh, none of us were really politically activated. We weren't involved in any kind of lobbying or anything like that. And we all realized we had common cause. This is. This was a diverse group of like maybe originally a half a dozen different riders, all of whom were passionate about motorcycling and you know rode you know used motorcycles to get to and from work. Uh, and I was a fairly new rider at the time, and so I was super enthusiastic about it. And we all kind of came together under this one issue, and then it kind of went from there. I didn't even realize parking spots were a problem. You know, I was at the San Jose airport today and I noticed in the economy parking lot, they had a bunch of motorcycle parking spaces. I mean, that's something we well, take for granted. you're living in motorcycle nirvana there. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, know. We take for granted. So yeah. you're saying that it's there's a lot of uh, well, here, things happening there. Well, there. here's what, here was my, I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> No, no, this is a huge, huge thing you're dealing with that I'm just tapping into and really trying to understand. Well, you know, the thing I realized, and this is a realization happened a few years later, uh, is that I realized that none of us were engaged in the policy or political discussion in Mm -hmm. uh, when that happened in 2009 when we started that uh, we just weren't aware of it. And uh, in the following years i got very involved in a lot of that stuff as you know a lot of the members did uh and that included me going to so many uh new york city we have community boards which represent neighborhoods they're advisory only to the city of new york but they are basically where for the most part citizenry meets uh policy making they cover all range of issues from everything from zoning to in our situation uh, transportation and traffic and i ended up going to so many of these community board committee meetings to lobby in favor of motorcycle parking. Uh, we had a whole program that we went through where we scouted out areas and did surveys and got the board on board. I went to so many of them that eventually I was asked by um, one of the community boards in New York City in uh, Manhattan's uh, West Village if I would actually join their traffic and transportation committee. And I uh, did that for about five years. But the the only point in me saying that is that it wasn't until I had that experience that I realized that if in 2009 and before any of us as riders were involved in the process, we never would have lost that parking. Yeah. You know, I, I've been into so many of these community meetings and I realized that all it takes is a very small number of people who care about an issue to come in and say, Hey, wait a minute. I use that thing. Right. So, Oh, let me ask real quick. I just want to establish because bikers in New York and where, where in New York are you? 
Uh, I live in Queens uh, and I uh, worked in Manhattan uh, for many years up until COVID. Uh, now I'm mm-hmm. working in Queens. <laughs> so let me ask you, as a New Yorker, I want to establish mm-hmm. there there are some mm-hmm. some things I assume that every New York biker has dealt with. So first of all, have you been pulled over at a motorcycle only checkpoint? I have okay. actually. Um, Relatively recently, but that's okay. a whole other story. Yes. Uh, have you ever had your bike knocked over while parked on the street? Oh, so many times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So Check times. that. And have you ever had a bike stolen? I had two motorcycles stolen okay. in 2017. Okay. Check. These are. This is the, what motorcyclists in New York have to deal with. These right. are all common things, right. That we yeah. don't. San have Francisco to face. has a problem too, though. Yeah, but but it's really yeah. bad there. So just being a motorcyclist is hard to begin with. Did I leave any out? Are there any other rites of passage to well, be a biker in I, New York? Take taking uh, your plate off that, when you park. <laughs> nah, I oh, actually, I definitely do not recommend that. Uh, yeah. That's some very interesting things that can happen to your motorcycles. Results uh, uh, sometimes instead of getting towed by the NYPD. You get towed by the sanitation department, oh. and they're not nearly so nice. <laughs> it's a, a pan, abandoned vehicles. Um, I would say uh, one thing, which is not really policy in New York City, but since you're in San Jose and I know that area moderately well, yeah. um, that uh, uh, you also have to appreciate the fact that it takes about an hour to get anywhere that's really good riding. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not a no. problem here. <laughs> no. Oh, uh, no, no, it's, it's there five minutes away. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. in, in ally to all of these problems you have, I mean, the climate's not the best in New York either, is it? I mean, it's it's hotter than Hades in the summer and very humid and rather cold in the winter. We we tend to get quite acclimatized yeah. here in California yeah. to, our, to our lovely climate. Yeah. Well, one of the other things that kind of joined this initial group uh, at the task force together was the fact that we all commuted all year round. Right. Oof. And, so you're pretty uh, hardcore, hardcore. Guys. Yeah. You know what the thing is? I, it's it's really funny. Uh, my wife just started uh, riding a bicycle to her job in Manhattan, and that's about uh, 10 miles each way. And um, the process she's going through on a bicycle, uh, she's going through all the same emotional states that I went through uh, about like riding on a motorcycle. And that includes like getting angry at car drivers for all the like real just anonymous anger they exhibit and there is a lot and i guess to me i would put that up as another new york city hazard i mean it's not unique to new york but you know oh hey it's bad i didn't i didn't have a game prepared for this episode but i think i just came up with that Uh right with one you guys now what we know about jesse being a year-round hardcore biker in new york how about we each take a turn guessing what bike he rides all right (laughs) Ooh, this could be good i'm gonna go first i think your first Yes, we'll be wrong, but go on. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go first because I'm getting a vibe. Don't mm. don't don't yell at me, John, because I'm gonna I'm gonna say Triumph Tiger. Wow, that's a really great guess, uh, but only because I had one. Okay. Uh, but that was a few years ago. All right, I love that bike. All right, Emma, that you want to take a guess? I, you know, funnily yeah. enough, I was gonna say Triumph Tiger. Ooh, you look, I know, you kind of, you definitely <laughs> look like an adventure bike guy. Um, I. I am definitely of that tribe. Okay. So okay. let's 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 try. Uh, I, I got it. I know. Tenerife seven hundred. You'll get it. Tenerife seven hundred. I didn't think you were going to go that. Uh, um, I'm a person who uh, uh, I never seem to realize that I should buy a vehicle from a company uh, that actually the bike will just run forever. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So I know what you're trying. No, no, no. I know. I'm. I go next. Okay. I know next. Okay. I'm getting a certain smell. Oh, oh. I'm getting a whiff of. 
Ducati Multistrada. Oh, that was a guess I had too. <laughs> wow, wow, that is that is, that is a good guess. I hear you there. Um, but uh, still, that's way too civilized. Uh, oh, hold on, we bagel and then Mike bagel. What's your guess? I'm gonna guess KLR. What? No. That no. goes against everything he, all the clues so he just close. gave. <laughs> so, so close, close and yet so far away. Mike, do you know what he rides? <laughs> I've seen most of it, so I would be so cheating he, if he I got to accuse himself. I know okay. what you wrote at one point. Unreasonable. Yeah. I th- try Moto Guzzi. Try, try Moto Guzzi uh-huh. something. He looks I'm like not he that should. exotic. Okay. No. I'm also, uh, you should probably know I'm also about six foot 11. So, oh, uh, so you, you are a giant. I got it. Okay. Africa twin. No, that's a Honda. No, it's forever. I, this is, oh, wow. right, you, I, I think you're actually, shall I just say? Yeah, yeah you have to put us oh, out of our misery, Jesse. Uh, um, at the moment, uh, KTM. Okay. So, oh, uh, wait. Oh, yeah, oh, I, I, that. So KTM, oh. wait, wait, wait. 890 Adventure? No, he's bigger than that. Do you want me to tell you? So yeah, 1190. No, I, I, I sort of once. So give you the opportunity to guess, but I also don't, you know, want you to torture yourselves well, like that. I will say, I mean, twelve ninety sounds like you know, big guy, big bike, but boy, I'm also that's a, a race lot fan. Of bike for so, there, always so, a race fan. So wait, wait. I'm going to go oh. back to six. I have a six ninety enduro no. that would be great there. Yeah. Think of it something that's unreasonable. Super for commuting to work. Super you Duke. Have, oh, they have the Super Duke. There it is. Oh my! I'm the winner. I am okay. the wiener. The wiener chickadina. <laughs> and so, completely, um, completely unreasonable vehicle. And Jesse, just so you know, I have a 990 and a 690, so I should have. But I mean, um, before we go any further, I want to say to both Jesse and Mike. Thank you so much for fighting this fight. Yes, it's yes, something yes. that yeah, 100%. Need, and you know, just in case that doesn't come up later, because I know we're not done with this. But God Almighty, we need people like you. Um, well, yeah, and and Jesse, I explained how why it's important to everybody because what's happening in New York, they've tried to spread it to other states. So right. it's important. You're fighting at the front for us. So I want to ask both of you: What are you working on now? What's next? Like, what's the next? Well. Target, is there another court? Do you take it to, to the Supreme well, Court? Well, hang on. Before we go any further, Mike made a statement right at the beginning, and you uh, you implied that it's it's kind of going away in other states and New York's the holdout mm-hmm. right now. Did I read that wrong, or is that basically what's happening? The rapid expansion we saw of motorcycle-only checkpoints in response to what was pioneered in the state of New York, not necessarily the city, by was it Halverson was the officer, um, that making use of the motorcycle safety funds from NHTSA, the Section 402F funds, that is largely disappeared because we, we have successfully made it illegal to use those funds to do that. There are other things that happen. Um, I know... Um, and it's been a few years since I've read about it, but um, I, one of my colleagues used to live up until about a month or two ago, lived in uh, outside Placerville, California. Mm-hmm. And occasionally there are um, not necessarily a checkpoint, but there'll be, what do they call them? High visibility enforcements, hive. Mm-hmm. And that's true for motorcycling. It's true for drunk driving, texting and driving. Right. And so they may take on the, the appearance of a checkpoint, but they aren't necessarily. The other thing with those is, they let you know ahead of time. So if you follow your local right. police department, something like that, they, I think one of the requirements I believe is that they have to let people know about those ahead of time. Um, so we'll occasionally get people letting us know about those. And, you know, you know, it's when it's, you know, notice 
that this part of the road and and I'm again it's been years so I'm struggling to remember this bit of details. This specific intersection or this pull-off area, there'll be some enforcement activity going on. And whether it's, you know, we're looking for people texting and driving, drunk driving and all that, or have, you know, we're looking for illegal exhaust, whether it's car or motorcycle, as, as much as we are paint hard with that, we are not the only ones. Um, and you happen to drive past there after, you know, having a few beers at the bar or, or on your bike that's got the loudest pipes you haven't owned. That's not the see being pre-warned is not right. Doesn't absolve the law enforcement of not doing their job, but they're giving you as much a heads up as you're ever going to get. It strikes me. It seems to be a little um, more organized. Can I ask, um, is Halverson still involved in MSF or has, has he largely gone by the wayside now? I don't know for sure. Um, I've seen, it's been a few years, but I've seen he's written columns for, I believe, his Motorcycle Consumer News, which I think just before the pandemic um, was yet another motorcycle magazine. I, you know, the, 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 the phrase that I read actually in the article that I think, did it Jesse or Mike provide us the article? But nevertheless, you know, the fox guarding the hen house really... I think summed up that little relationship with MSF yeah, and Halverson. It, it was Jesse's web page. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it, it's it's troubling. But um, so you know, the same question to you, Mike, uh, uh, to you, Jesse. I mean, what what's happening in the future? Do you see? Do you see any movement here, or are we stuck with this? Well, right now, I just I'll tell you where my head's at because um, for the last three three and a half years or so. Uh, I um, I have been included in a small group of people who are leaders of motorcycle organizations in the New York City area uh, as part of the department, New York City Department of Transportation uh, under their Vision Zero mm -hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. And what happened was they had this once a month meeting, this thing they call the uh, Motorcycle um, Advocacy Council or um, Ed Motorcycle Advisory Council. And... The purpose originally was uh, to deal with the fact that motorcycle fatalities for the last decade have remained the same, where the uh, fatalities and serious injuries of all other road users have dropped by about 40%. And um, so they decided after all this time, they might just include talking to some motorcyclists. And, you know, I am, I'm uh, unfortunately uh, plagued with optimism. So I think that... Uh, <laughs> I was I was thinking, well, finally, after all these years, someone at New York City is going to listen to me. And um, I still don't want to be negative because I don't think being pessimistic or negative encourages anyone. And I think there's a lot that can be done. But uh, I've been very frustrated in the last year in particular because uh, there is an animosity that is in the bones of New York City, it seems, against motorcycles. Uh, and New York City is just layers upon layers of fiefdoms. Uh, and the police department, quite honestly, is a massive political force. Uh, the power of the NYPD politically rivals that of the mayor's office. Uh, they famously don't have to, you know, they often don't listen to the mayor. But it doesn't help that all parties really never want to look at motorcycles in any way other than the way they look at them. And I'll give you an example. New York City right now, and this may come to you someday very soon, uh, you may have heard about the congestion pricing law that's um, being mm -hmm. tossed around in New York City. Yeah, and, um, explain I've been this watching for us. I, I, I haven't fully gotten this. Huh. Um, wow. So many, 
I'm going to put all the cynical uh, statements <laughs> out of my head and try to give you the straightforward answer. Um, for many, many years, going all the way back to Bloomberg, there was this idea that they would increase the tolls for people entering what they call the commercial business district in New York City, which means Manhattan south of 60th Street. And also, they wanted to apply tolls to some of the bridges across the East River, uh, most of which don't have any tolls at all. And there's a lot of negative outcomes as a result of that. And that's a real problem, you know. I, uh, and they say the reason is to reduce traffic congestion. And so, this is um, all traffic, and, not just motorcycles. Right. Yeah. Okay. And um, and it's basically your standard free market uh, philosophy that if we raise the price, people will use it less. And you know, I. I think it's kind of BS, but, you know, it is, you know, certainly very popular. And um, as we go down the path uh, of that thing becoming closer and closer to becoming a law, this is now maybe four years ago, uh, it turns out that the entire rational reason for why they did this thing is based on this really poorly put together uh, program uh, done by a fellow who is... Uh, a former executive at a bicycle advocacy group and a, uh, I he's called himself an economist. I suppose he is an economist. Uh, but, uh, he made this very complicated formula and Excel spreadsheet, which, uh, tried to put into it, uh, that if you raise the tolls by such and such, you'll reduce traffic by this much. Mm -hmm. And his software was available to download. And my day job is developing software. So I was like, of course, I'm going to look at this thing. <laughs> and very quickly, I realized that motorcycles were not in his model at all. Oh, like he wow. just forgot to model motorcycles. <laughs> and um, because what he wrote is really bad software, when I brought that to his attention, uh, his first reaction was, well, you guys are really just a very, very small part of the formula, so it doesn't matter. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't matter. And then he fell back to the real answer, which is my software is so buggy that I can't actually make any change without breaking ah. the whole thing. Oh, man. <laughs> and and that, is, that is the core philosophy that has led to what was Plan NYC and now uh, oh, no. the congestion pricing program. Now, in the intervening years, what's happened is that this thing that used to be started to uh, alleviate congestion, that was the purpose, uh, mutated into something uh, used to fund mass transit. Uh, and without getting too much into the weeds, uh, the MTA, uh, which runs the subways and buses in New York City, uh, of course, like all you know, municipal agencies, doesn't have enough money to do its job. But they also are pretty notorious for wasting money. And there have been, over the decades, many, many, many different fees that were levied to fund them. And every single time, they waste the money. They either just um, it gets siphoned off to a non-MTA project, or like Cuomo uh, built this massive, beautiful train station in a part of Manhattan that no one ever goes. It's gorgeous, and it's very clean since it's never used. Um, <laughs> And uh, so the whole pro this whole congestion pricing program um, is now uh, used to say, well, you know, if you give us money today, we will, you know, gladly pay you back on Tuesday, <laughs> um, uh, as they have many, many times before. Uh, and in all this, motorcycles have been forgotten, and they point to similar programs that are they like to point to the ones in Stockholm and London and other places. Every single one of those cities has a full on one hundred percent exemption for motorcycles. Mm -hmm. And New York City doesn't. In fact, um, their New current York's, plan is to charge Because, sorry, motorcycles aren't creating the congestion. Right. In fact, they could be I alleviating the congestion. That, they would, right, exactly. And there's lots of studies. There's lots of studies that show that. Yeah. And by 
by charging motorcycles the same as cars, you're not just not encouraging motorcycles, you're actively discouraging. And the tolls we're talking about are going to be a minimum $23 a day. I'm, yeah, I'm looking Jeez. at, they're saying $23 a day during rush hour, 17 that, for off off rush hour. That's literally that's, highway robbery. And that, that would be charged yeah. on your easy pass, $23 to go through the toll. I, and yeah. I've encountered this before. I've always thought it's unfair. I've been through, I, I think even like, like Zion, it's by the axle. Right. Yeah. You know, right? I'm like, so wait, my motorcycle and that school bus are paying the same, right? Or some big right. motorhome, you know? Yeah. Really? Uh, so I, I get you there, but now, I mean, since they're calling it congestion pricing, right. yeah. that's a real yeah, yeah. slap. But I can see, and- I can see why you're pessimistic, but. I'm going to offer... Oh, I haven't even gone to the good stuff yet. But oh, no, no, no. Do you want to go into that? Because we, you've got a platform for it right now. Right. Uh, the the thing is that it is so hard to get the city of New York to do anything because of this built-in hostility. I, I was trying to get um, crash data on motorcycle crashes. And this this uh, this DOT group that I'm a part of, which is includes the NYPD, uh I said, can I get some of that crash data that is part of your special investigation squad? And uh, they said, oh, do you have to file a freedom of information request? And I'm like, oh, well, that seems really kind of excessive, but okay, fine. I've done them before. I'll do it again. I file it. And then they still don't give me the data. And it's been two years since I requested it. And this is so that I can do a qualitative study on accident causality. I'm trying to, for instance, get New York City to consider the fact of lane splitting, which I think there's some pretty solid data. Yeah, that we would in agree. In addition to, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. thing about living here. Uh, We've been trying to do that here in Oregon, and it's if only we knew yet. someone at the AMA to help you with that. Right. I I've <laughs> I've been trying to persuade them to look at it as a possibility. I presented it to uh, anyone who will listen in city government, and. Um, what I finally get back is that they just don't want to, to the point of just striking from agendas. They don't, they're not interested in what? anyway. I'm sorry. Is and this run by toddlers? <laughs> it's I don't... run by people who are very much interested in maintaining their political power. Right. Mm, there it is. Well, that's uh, and, that, that right. There's the problem because we are the people saying, Hey, we want to, you are the representatives who are supposed to do what the people want. But, um, you know, yeah. nevertheless, Jesse, I'm I'm going to sound a voice of optimism to you. Please continue to do what you're doing. Please yes, continue sorry. to be your eloquent self, you too, Mike, because it has been proven, not just in motorcycling, but in women's issues, in LGBT issues, in any, for want of a better term, marginalized or minority group black lives matter if you have a representative at the table time and time again it works it may seem like an uphill struggle but continue to make your voice heard continue to say what you say and continue to put a face to new york motorcyclists and, and just then, one thing I'll just say mm-hmm. to, to amplify what you just said, but I absolutely agree, is that one of my realizations in this last year, and this is going to sound really obvious, is that I realized that I can't get people I'm talking to in government to listen to me 
And then I realized, oh, what they're telling me is I need to have a whole bunch of riders in New York City speak very loudly. There you go. That is the only way this is going to happen. And I understand it's really hard to get people energized in no matter what the situation is. And, you know, motorcyclists, I think by nature are people who don't, I think a lot of them are, you know, they don't want to do, you know, things that seem almost civic. You know, I'm not saying they're antisocial. I'm just saying that, like, no. they just don't, you know, not, it's hard, you know. Uh, but, you know, I honestly believe that just a small number of people who really get involved and show up to these meetings and are willing to call people and show up at their elected reps office, uh, that is what's required Well, to just get a bunch of people to show up to these things. I've said this before many times. Um, I haven't said it for a while, so it's as good a time as any. We are not a political podcast. I will never, and I will make absolutely sure that nobody on this podcast ever tells you who to vote for, because that's not our job. However, if you are listening to our podcast in America, join the AMA. Absolutely. Join the AMA, because that is your political clout. And the AMA are fighting battles right now. The Mikes of this world and the Jesses of this world are fighting battles that we may not know anything about. We had a very, very, we had knowledge of the New York checkpoints, largely through what we see on uh, on video. But a lot of people are listening to this right now. Like, what the hell are the New York checkpoints? So they need to know. They need to know what's going out there on out there because guess what it's coming to a city near you sometime soon we're a very very easy group to target Mm -hmm. and we need these voices we need the voices like mike's we need the voices like jesse's we need our voices join the ama be aware be aware of what's happening in your town and if something's going the way you don't like it make some noise about it well, and I also appreciate that Be a you, voice at the table. I appreciate that you include the scooters in the task force because those are some mean sons of bitches. We oh, want you should. They're, side. they're just yeah, lunatics. Don't piss them off. Lunatics. Yeah. Every <laughs> single one. I will, I will tell you. I, I will tell you my my completely not secret secret. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> is that and and this has been an idea and this is why scooters are uh, uh, in the in the task force group. My secret plan is that motorcyclists, I'm, I'm going to focus on New York City just because this is where I live and this is what I know. We have to reach a critical mass. Yeah. And we have to have enough riders that everybody knows somebody who rides. And right. it makes a huge difference because then it becomes normalized. It's not this weird, freaky thing. And yeah, it loses something by not being, you know, that, you know, uh, counter social. But you know what? If you go to like Paris or London and you see everybody's mom, on, you know, on a motorcycle right. or a scooter and they're parked everywhere and it's so normal that, you know, you can't just other motorcyclists. Right. It's a little harder yeah. to do that. And um, one of the really, and I don't want to end on a bad note, but one of the frustrating setbacks I've had in the last year has been New York City has a um, completely inscrutable policy with regards to what they call e-bicycles. And uh, an e-bicycle 
to my way of thinking, is what they used to call a moped. And a mm-hmm. moped used to be a Class C motorcycle. And if you keep in mind that my goal is to mint a lot more motorcycle riders, then I was thinking, well, this is good. They've already accepted the fact that a powered two-wheel vehicle makes a hell of a lot of sense in an urban environment. Now, all we have to do is like make these all motorcycles, and then the city can't ignore us. Instead, what they did was they carved out a special law to separate these new types of riders from motorcyclists. That was frustrating. But for the first time ever, in my experience and the experience of every single motorcyclist who's been riding for a while in New York City, I have actually seen for the first time unhelmeted motorcycle riders on the roads, full-on motorcycle riders. And uh, to me, it's because this policy has caused modeling of some pretty terrible behavior. Right. And yeah. so now it's leaking back wow. on motorcycles and making us less safe. So, you know. Well, keep on fighting. Sooner or later they're going to yeah, Keep sorry, on fighting the fight. And I just want to be absolutely clear um, so that we're all clear. Legislating against motorcycles isn't a Republican thing. It isn't a Democrat thing. It's completely across the board. It's it, it really it's not one side or the other. Each side is as guilty as the other. You know, you you're you're um city governor or state state governor or whoever can be any side of the political spectrum. It doesn't matter. You've just got to be aware of what's going down in your state. And the easiest way to do that, be a part of the AMA. Yeah. Well, and also go to, go to the website, the New York Motorcycle and Scooter Task Force website. You want to give us the short and abbreviated, actually easier to type in version? Well, the absolute best place to find us is uh, actually our Facebook group. That's where yeah. most of our communications go. The task force uh, is uh, the acronym is uh, NYMSTF. Yep, it stands for the New York Motorcycle and Scooter Task Force. And if you look us up on Facebook, we do a web page, but it's you know, Facebook is where all the action is coming. Where you'll find uh, riders and advocates uh, in communication, talking about what's really going on in New York City. Yeah, and that's kind of how I got pulled in because I. I'm not sure how, but I joined the group and then I started getting all these things coming through my feed and seeing all these like issues. I'm like, holy crap. So, uh, uh, Jesse, we're going to be wrapping up soon. I have one more question for you. When you have them pulled over at these New York checkpoints, do you do everything they ask while muttering pig, pig, pig? Or do you just blow it on on your uh, super dude? Liza! Try and and catch me, coppers! There are many answers I can give to that question. Um, <laughs> Don't although, incriminate uh, yourself, on, please, yeah, Jesse. On, uh, on advice of counsel, I would like to say, <laughs> no, I'm very polite, and I think no bad thoughts at all. Yeah, it never goes well when you're rude to an officer, um, no matter what it is. True. And, Mike, you know, thank you so much for being part of what you do as mm-hmm. well. Um, it's so important. It, it's vitally important. I've always felt that... As we as we kind of navigate our way through the 21st century, our existence is far more fragile than people realize. And all it will take is one a very ambitious young politician and who wants to make a name for his or herself without a huge working knowledge of motorcycles or motorcyclists. And our whole lifestyle could change at the stroke of a pen. And it's only really people like you, Mike, and you, Jesse, that are really 
pushing back against that. So thank you. Really, thank you. It's very, very sincere. Yeah. And and normally yeah. I let the guests go before we start reading our listener emails, but I want to keep you two on for this one, if you don't mind. Oh, blimey. Yeah. We're breaking with precedent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, and you'll I, see why. I, I want to you know, really thank you guys and thank Jesse, because I'm in the yeah. very privileged position that only maybe a dozen people in the country are of, I get paid to do this. Yeah. So, you know, as I really appreciate the gratitude, but it, this is my job. And right. I would not be able to do this without folks like you, without folks like well, Jesse. And, without, you know, and that's it. Our AMA dues are paying your paycheck yeah. for good reason, though. You yeah. know, and to me, that's great value. So, no, it's all good. Absolutely. Yeah. So this one is from Brian with a Y. Hello, Brian with a Y. He says, hey, you misfits. Is that right, Ryan? I said, I was newly turned on your podcast only two months ago, and I haven't missed an episode since. Oh, blimey. I've been enjoying it thoroughly. And I know you're throwing out feelers for, for another Misfits tour of Italy in 2023. I'm interested. Oh. Yeah, we got many people interested. Lastly, adding on to the New York Motorcycle Checkpoints topic. Haven't experienced it yet. I am so very torn on the topic. MOCs, although highly inconvenient and discriminatory, at the end of the day, being I have all my papers in order, will result in nothing else but a delay. Living in New York City, not a day goes by that I don't see illegal street bikes, electric or gas-powered, with riders driving extremely recklessly, often to the detriment of others. New York City being an extremely populated city, pedestrians being hit by these bikes is a common occurrence. I have personally seen many near misses with children by the school near me. Even with legal street bikes, there are many inexperienced riders who forego proper training and purchase and ride motorcycles with nothing more than a permit, as apparently you can register a motorcycle in New York with only a motorcycle driver's permit. Well, same here. As a safety-conscious and avid motorcycle rider, I hate to see the community being singled out by a relatively small group, and I'm not sure that this is the answer. On the other hand, I guess at which point do we place safety above some inconveniences? Just wanted to share a different perspective. Thanks for the conversations that you guys are having on it. So, I mean, that's the thing I keep saying, and I'll be honest, I'm split too. There are you know, our rights as bikers being this big net being cast, but then you guys have a whole lot of mess of problems with bikers there too. I don't know the solution. Uh, well, I'll tell you that uh, you can probably guess what I'm going to say. Um, I agree with almost everything Brian wrote, mm -hmm. except one thing I want to bring attention to, which is the notion that just because you have all your paperwork in order, that they're just going to like wave you on by. Oh, yeah, even there you, you go. To, nope. there you go. <laughs> even if you wanted to uh, just ignore the inconvenience and the fact that uh, the police in New York City have often stopped, created a traffic jam. Yeah. At which when you're a car driver, you have no idea what's going on. When you get to the front of you, you see a bunch of motorcyclists. So you automatically assume that a fucking biker is screwed. I'm sorry. I don't know yeah, if I can say yeah, that. it's okay. Uh, they're causing this problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, so if you want to set all that aside, yeah, if you want to set all that aside, the fact is that these police officers have been told to go out there and give out tickets to motorcyclists. Yeah. And it they will give you a ticket. And in New York City, we do not, when it comes to moving violations, we have something called the Traffic Violations Bureau. It's not an actual court. There's no discovery. There's uh, 
there's no uh, uh, ability to uh, have like very limited appeal ability. The person who presides is an administrative law justice who likes to be called judge, but in fact is not a judge, doesn't even have to be a lawyer. Uh, and uh, you have to prove your innocence, which is almost impossible. Right. And that's just a statistical reality. And you will get a ticket uh, because they will give you a ticket for, and not just because you're, you're, you're mean to them. You know, they will give you a ticket because that's what they're there for. And honestly, if they don't give out tickets, then someone like me might go, oh, you pulled over 500 riders and you gave out three tickets. Yeah. Which means you inconvenience 497 of them. No, they're, they know that and they're going to give out tickets to everyone. And, and here's right. how wide this net they're casting is. I saw a video in Times Square pulling over rental scooter after rental scooter. You're kidding me. No, wow. I'm, they're, they're all the same name brand on the side. Rental scooters. Yeah. And and can I just also say that NYPD has a long history of just giving out tickets because they are expected to give out tickets. It doesn't matter whether it sticks Super or code. not. That's what they do. <laughs> and another thing I want to mention, too, is that policies like this only incentivize people to to ride illegally because what's yeah, the incentive to have all your paper in order if you're still going to get right. stopped Ride you're still going to get pulled over you're still going to get harassed you might even get your bike seized because you had to replace now. your transmission that went out on it six months ago and you hadn't had a chance to get mm -hmm. to the dmv to change the paperwork yet <laughs> that is absolute bs and that is exactly what new york is doing and I, I can't thank you guys enough for fighting this. This is absolutely wrong, and you guys are heroes for doing what you do. See, don't mess with the scooter. Don't mess with Bagel, man. Don't mess with the scooterist. Well, I told you. Got you. it. No, Bagel's, well, no, you. Bagel's he's right, though. Bagel's not a hardcore scooterist anymore. He just bought a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> we wrote a story, a cover story about a lot of these different issues back in 2018. I went back and looked it up, mm -hmm. and I remember. Um, Brad Burson, who's one of the other uh, co-founders of the task force, there was a few of his stories of things he had been stopped and ticketed for. And things, something I've heard frequently is you know, many states have a requirement that whether you have a helmet or not, to have eye protection of some kind. Mm. And I've heard a lot of stories and I've written an extremely angry letter um, to the NYPD commissioner that I'm sure was thrown in the trash that cops have ticketed people for opening their visors at a stoplight because then they don't have eye protection. Jeez. But they would also like to see when they pull away so because and not have it fog up. Doesn't matter. Um, Brad also said he had been cited for a license plate lamp that was pointed up at the plate rather than down, despite the fact that that's how it came from the factory. Mm. They're, they're just looking for stuff. Yeah. So yeah. there it is. This is why, yeah, I want to, yeah, as I said, thank both of you for coming on and sharing. You guys are fighting at the forefront and, Jesse, even though you may feel like it's just New York, I, I know you're fighting for all of us. And because of the things you guys have been fighting for, New York or California is one of the states that's already banned MOCs. So hopefully more will follow. Is there any way people can support you other than joining the AMA? And give and us the websites your, again. Yeah, and go on your Facebook page. Um, yeah, well, I mean, in terms of support, I, the main thing is to get engaged uh, I think that um, more important, you know, than money, because we're an all volunteer organization and, you know, we all have day jobs and it's very hard. You know, the way it works is each of us have our own, you know, uh, uh, 
things that we are very passionate about. And then we help each other support these issues. Then we bring as many people, but just being ready to get involved and to think about what you're doing in terms of, you know, for unfortunately, you know, motorcycles are rare enough that each one of us is a bit of an ambassador and, yes, you know, how we true. behave on the road sends a message. Um, when I was uh, on the community board, I, every single meeting would put my helmet down on the table if for no other reason than to communicate, you know, here's a motorcyclist who's in your community, mm -hmm. who's talking about your issues, most of which are not motorcycle related. And just right. to represent the fact that like, you know, I'm a rider and we exist, we're regular, we're not just, you know, parts of gangs or something. So everyone just needs to know how to show up and think about advocating all the time. And something I'd like mm -hmm. to say, which I know you'll both agree with, you know, motorcyclists, we tend to be quite a reactionary bunch, you know, just everything's great. You know, it's been great for the last 20 years. It's going to be great for the next 20. It's not so. Stroke of a pen, your life can change. And we need to be diligent about that. We need to understand just because, you know, things have been going a certain way for us for 20 years, they can change. They can change for the worse, but they can change for the better as well. Mm. And I Absolutely. think it's an example of what you two are doing that are going to change things for the better. So thanks again. Thanks again. Yeah, I got one more thanks. Right. Thanks, Mike, for introducing me to Jesse. Jesse, I'm so glad I got to meet you. That's now that I'm networking. I'm guys. so sorry I'm late. <laughs> you made, you made in time. It worked out. Um, I'm I'll be early next time. <laughs> because because I am following this, I may even you know contact you again uh, to talk about other stuff. That's yeah, I'd up. love to. Can, can we have you back anytime. on the show again? Both of you. I love talking about all motorcycle things. It's so much fun. <laughs> Mike? We can, we, Absolutely. Talk, we can talk about all the mechanical problems on my KTM and, you know, talk uh, through them, too. Well, uh, you could ask I'll show you the mess in my garage. Yes. Your KTM uh, yeah. has fueling problems because all KTMs have fueling problems. <laughs> Tra-la-la! How about that? <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys very much for joining thank us. Thank you very much for bringing Ciao. attention to this. Yeah. Thank you, thank you Mike. All thank right. You See you guys. Take care. Have a great night. Thanks. Take care. All right. So we got a couple of emails to go. Let's start with Bagel. Bagel, do you have yours ready? The Bagel. I do. <clears throat> the the watered-down scooterist who now owns a motorbike. <laughs> I love it when he gets mad. Oh, uh, I do. I know. Yeah, he, gets he gets very angry, and he turns the same color as his beard. <laughs> did you notice that? He got bright red and steam and shit came you know, out of though, his ears. I do want to say, Bagel, thank you for that reaction. And yeah, that's that was kind great. of This is why My I wanted pleasure. to talk about this, because I've been following this, and I've been going, wait, this isn't yeah. right. This isn't fair. This is yeah. not constitutional. Yeah, it's wrong. I want to talk about this and let people yep. know what's happening. So thank you for yep. having the proper reaction. All right, what you got All there, right. Bagel? All right. I have an email from uh, Rob Leach. Hey, Rob. And uh, Rob writes, uh, hello, Misfits. Just finished your podcast on the Quail Motorcycle Show. Started listening oh. a couple of months ago. Now I'm hooked. <clears throat> Grew up riding dirt bikes and doing enduros in the 70s. Took a break while rising the, raising the family and came back to bikes about 10 years ago. I started back in with the KLR, then a V-Strom. Should have stuck with the KLR. Yes. And now I'm riding my DR, which is my absolute sweet spot. Mm. I ride gravel roads, which are common where I live. And about and then and over the past ten years, I've traveled around Eastern Canada and the U.S., including the BDR from Tennessee north around Lake Superior, wow. trips to Newfoundland and Labrador. 
and also Quebec, mainly ride with brother, brother-in-law, and a close friends. Oh. Uh, love your podcast. You speak to my love of all things motorcycle. Thanks, Rob Leach, Lissowell, Ontario. Oh, thanks, P.S. Rob. Pick my my DR a new project 1965 Honda S90, Ooh. which is a gorgeous little cub. Oh, it's fantastic. But do you know the real takeaway uh, from this, Laser? What's that? That a DR is a far superior bike oh to a KLR. Jesus. Oh, my God. Well, you knew that. I thought she wasn't paying no, attention. No, you knew that. Is the this KLR is the greatest motorcycle ever developed. Oh, jeez. All right. Dollar for dollar. All right. We'll save that I, I for another. Wait, babbling wait, wait. from the sick bed. <laughs> we'll save That's that. all that is, just babbling from I, the sick I, bed. I, I smell a debate club coming. <laughs> all right. No, so, we've done this before, and I, I won. Do you remember? I know. So, yes. John, what you got there? All right. Um, it's a letter from the KLR Association of America that would just like to thank more, us for that. More babbling from, you know, John, John, it's not like you to come into my presence and gibber. <laughs> All right. This is from Rick from Florida, sort of. You Hello. It was Florida, man. Hello, Rick. Good morning from the East Coast. All recent podcast discoverer, first time writer here. Tra-la-la. Welcome. Uh, limit, uh, listen to the episode 484 this morning on my way to work. I currently do not have a motorcycle. Sadness. Because the last one was stolen and the Aww. wife says I have to buy a house first. Oh, mm. oh bloody hell. Ooh. Happy wife, happy life. Uh, anyways, just wanted to give you some feedback from my <laughs> time living in Utah. Utah has a slight form of tiered licensing in it. That is, if you don't take your test, if you don't take your test, whether MSF or DMV and issue... On it, on a 650 cc mm-hmm. or more, your license is limited to 649 mm. cc's or less. It's not quite oh, the same as a full tiered licensing system, but it's something. Yeah, Utah also hmm. allows lane filtering now with some caveats. Yep. Of course, filtering, not splitting. My knowledge yep. is current as of 2020 when I left the state and moved back east. Yay, COVID and family reasons. So it's possible that it may have changed, but I digress. I retook my MSF on, on my then 690 Enduro. Sounds familiar. An aforementioned stolen bike. God, I love that machine, and got my card with a little stamp on it showing I did with greater than a 650cc mach- machine. On the side, what do you think of the Ducati Panigale V2? Uh, ever since I lived, <laughs> ever since I saw one of Russell White. That's a leap. I couldn't stop uh, lusting after it. <laughs> it's a it's a coin, but sure, it's a, it's a lot of coin, but sure, yeah. damn it, it's gorgeous. That's what I live in Florida now and not sure of the custom crotch heating system. Yes, it does. Any, I, anyway, love the podcast. I'm going to say, I'm in the Ducati Panigale. I'm, I'm, I hate to get personal, but I guess it completely depends on your dick size. Hmm. What? What? And, and bank account size, too, maybe. And bank account size, yes. <laughs> and, 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 and trophy wives. Who who put the pain in Panigale? <laughs> Ducati did. Um, no, I mean, they are... They are quite expensive They're to pretty. maintain. Yes, they are oh, very, very pretty. Um, yeah. But, you know, Powerful. I mean, Ducati have, have chicaned themselves into a good position in recent years because, the, I mean, they make... They make bikes that they're pitching as, like, two-wheel Ferraris. Yeah. And, right. I mean, it's a stretch, but to a certain extent they are. I mean, I don't want to be down on ducks, yeah. they, you know, they're really more. They've got more in common with Fiats than Ferraris. No, but the point is thus: wow, they you just pissed off a lot of people. No, I'm sure I did. <laughs> but I'm just ta- I'm just talking yeah. about from a from a quality of finish standpoint. Um, I have an opinion. Yes, I'm going to say 
that the Panigale, it's not a bike that interests me personally, but I think that this is a bike that is meant for the rider who truly wants a special ride. Not They so, are quite not special. Not so that they can go and impress people at bike night with no, their no, bike. No, no, no. These are people who want to have the feelies mm-hmm. and a relationship with a very special bike. And however, if you can afford to, great. How, just however. But, but I'm saying it's a personal thing, like a religion. Yeah, but you know, when you get to a certain level of bikes, and, and before people think I'm being down on docks, R1s are the same when you, yeah. when you get up to the, the R1Ms. R1M, yeah. When you get to a bike that is that singular in its purpose, mm-hmm. it's not often the most pleasant thing to ride to right, work. Right. No, this is not a commuter bike. So I mean if 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 you're on if you're doing track days and your commute is mostly sweeping A roads that you can oh. do 100 miles an hour on it's the perfect bike but if you've got to ride it across town or you know stuck in city traffic you're going to hate it within 5 no, you minutes No you know I think you nailed it if if you're the type of person who would have a Ferrari as a car Yes. This is the same thing. Right, exactly. And it's not the state a simple thing, but you 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 have to understand that it's a very, very quirky, it's a very high maintenance, it's a very high performance machine. I mean it's two hundred plus horsepower out of a, you know, very compact engine. Things are going to break. But what is it gonna do on the city streets that a ninja six fifty can't do? You know? Oh I, well that's a thing. And, right. and, you know, within a certain extent, I mean, if I was riding across town, I'm all, I always go back to that ride we made across L.A. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that rush hour ride we mm-hmm. made in 100 degree traffic across L.A.? Yeah. Um, I was unhappy enough on Rufus. You were just yucking it up on the uh, on the Super Duke because it was the perfect tool for the job. SMT. The SMT, sorry. Yeah. The uh, uh, BDSM, whatever. Well, uh, yes. The takeaway is, hey, glad you found our podcast. Thanks. Yeah, for, yeah, lovely. awesome. It's not lovely, but spread the word. Jeopardy. Tell everybody. All right, about us. we got time for one more. Hey, this is it from Ken. Ken Byrne. Hey, Ken. Ken Burns. Wasn't he? Wasn't he a filmmaker? Yes, yeah, still think he is. Was, yes, uh, dear misfits, and especially Miss Emma. <gasps> oh, that's oh, me. That's you. Ooh, I say. Flattery will get you everywhere. I love listening to you and Cat telling about your Alpine adventure. That's Alpine. Alpina adventure. I desperately wanted to go with you, but my father's ill health made that kind of travel impossible this year. I'm really sorry to hear about your dad, Ken. Um, Your announcement that you expect to do it again next year has reignited my excitement. Put me down as a yes in capital letters. And not just a maybe. Write down my name, sign me up, take my money. I'm going. Also... I think I've convinced my friend Jimmy to come too. The only way I'm going to let Jimmy come is if I... Jimmy! Jimmy! <laughs> Jimmy! <laughs> Jimmy! Yeah, Jimmy! So, um, there's two. Uh, we've had more than two. Well, hang on. My amazing wife has all but insisted that I join you on the next trip. Oh, oh wow. that's lovely. She sounds should marry like that a woman. lovely woman. <laughs> well, no, we already have. Oh, marry her again. There you go. <laughs> she even plans on meeting me at the end of the ride to do some additional sightseeing Ooh. together. And actually, Ooh. a couple of the, the, the riders, when we all said goodbye at the Hotel Contarina on the last day, there were a few riders who stayed on. 
and continued their journey into Switzerland and had a well. He's got the perfect combination. A very jolly nice. time. He's got yeah. riding in the Dolomites and Nookie at the end of yeah. it. See, <laughs> no, no, John. I, I read that as riding the Dolomites and then a shopping excursion. Yes, he, he's going shoe shopping with his he's wife. Be so lucky guy, teaming with testosterone, um, he'll be ready. And then yeah. Nookie. See you next year, Ken in Connecticut. Um, yeah, I mean the thing is. It was such a brilliant adventure. Um, it was by far, and I was talking about it to Henry. I might have been the best holiday I ever had. Ooh. It really might, and I've had some stonkingly good holidays in the past, but it really might because it just scratched that itch. See, for me, vintage days. Yeah, yeah this well, this year was the mm. best. So we're all having. So great, how many? Yeah. So my question to you, Liza, yeah. in just the week, your trip is almost filled up already. From people responding. So I've been forwarding them to you, Emma. Have you? I have. Via where? Via how? Uh, Via Ask Miss Emma? Uh, no. Your other. <laughs> we'll double check. Anyway, so here's what I'm going to do. Emma, I'm going to make sure all of these are forwarded to you. Yes. Kat has already created a sign-up website for next year's trip. There Even you though the website and price is not locked or the 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 date and price is not locked in right because i mean it's flexible we want but every, this is save a spot right exactly we want everyone to to have a good time it's going to be about the same time i mean it's going to be sort of a july august thing but it's going to be the same it's going to be um similar length of riding it's probably a 10 day holiday of which 8 days is going to be on the bike same spot if you do august i might come well, you know, um, I, it's unfortunately, the flights are at their most expensive mm. then. However, here's a heads up for everyone out there in listener land. Once we have locked in the date, and I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get Kat to lock in the date before the end of January. Mm-hmm. If you buy flights midwinter, you pay less. So my advice, once we've locked in the date, get your flight. So Patrick paid 3000 bucks round trip for the same trip that I paid 1200 for. Why? Wow. Because I bought mine in March, I think, mm-hmm. and he bought his a month before. So, you know, it, it, we'll try and lock in that date and... Once we've done that, get your flights. But I stand by... In fact, I will revise what I said because I said you could do the whole trip if you were clever with your flights, including booze and food and bikes and hotels and everything. Literally, the amount that will be missing from your bank account. I said I could do it for five grand, and I think that was wrong. I think you could do it for four. If you're clever with your flight, it all boils down to the flight. But if you don't mind sharing a room and you don't drink gallons of beer. And tap water. uh, No, I don't think, no, but I think think you could have a very, very jolly holiday for four grand. For five, you're gonna you're gonna live like a king well, or queen. You just gotta find the local bar to get your have your beer. No shortage of local bars 
in cannot say. Trust me. So Emma, yeah. you need to get with Cat. You need to come up with no, the date. I'm gonna, I, I'm, no, I'm going to. No, I'm going to call him on my way home. I'll make sure you have all the emails, all the people yes, are interested, so you can please. reach out to him. Oh, cheers! And then I have one last uh, shout out I want to do, and that is to Daniel at Broken Arrow Horse Camp in Custer. Daniel's a listener of ours, yes. and so whenever I go out to Custer to visit uh, Michelle. I always drop in. I did it again this time. I dropped in, walked up, said, I'm here to see a man about a horse. Now, he runs a campground. It's a horse campground. People with horses, like these giant RV trailer things that has a horse thing at the end of it. It's like amazing, like a home and a horse and a barn all in one. And then he has- It's a horse hauler. It's a horse. Well, it's an RV horse hauler. And he has a horse- a camp that has a ring and a washing station and trails and like all this stuff, but it's also campgrounds and and cabins and anyone can stay there. So some of the girls from our rally were staying there. Oh, that's great. uh, What's his name? Daniel. Daniel, did you bring him a carrot? Uh, So I always go and say (laughs) hi and he shows me what's in his garage. I bet he shows you you what's in his trousers. You know what he had and he said, he he was showing me what he had in his garage (laughs) and he's like, you're welcome to use it when you're here if you want. I I, should have. I think I will next time. (laughs) Uh, VMAX. Oh, great. That would be fun. Gen Uh, 1. Gen 2, I think. No. did it look no like, Gen One? Gen One, yeah. yeah. So it, but didn't it's not look, a, it's not from the eighties. It's newer than that. Yeah, I mean the Gen One <laughs> yeah. lasted right up right, until right, right. like so, whenever twenty. So yeah, so I just wanted to say hi to Daniel. Yeah, it was, it was good seeing him there. So cool. um, anybody who likes motorbikes and horses is okay with me. Yeah, are you listening, Mike Beck? <laughs> there's some cool stuff out there and then again my last well not almost second last thank you is to emma for running the shop today oh you're welcome i mean yeah. you know it's it's like this is how it works you go away and i'm helping well, in the shop and i'm going away in two weeks i know you are she helped me a lot today too by the way so I hopefully really i'm gonna be helped. relying on all of you including you bagel because oh, you yeah. all need to come up with with shows and I'm hoping you all work together to come up with some shows. No, we're going to, we're going to, our first show is going to be entitled What to Do When a Hardcore Scooterist Goes Rogue and <laughs> Buys a Motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's the entitlement of the first show. Mm. I, I think I can fit a leg shield onto it here and maybe I can cut the frame mm. to make a step through design. You know, I think actually buying a motorbike that is exactly the same color as your beard is an inspired choice, Basil. Yeah. I really do. <laughs> right on. Well, well, I went for it because it's the same color as the Trail 110. But Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> and of course, you know, the last thank you that I always do is to our Patreon subscribers. Who yes. are easily the finest human beings on the planet and worthy yes. of, you know, they are on a pedestal just watching the rest of the world go by. Yes. Yes. So thank you very much to you guys. <laughs> um, hey, uh, again, uh, I have shirts for sale. Go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com and you can find in the shop there. I, I shipped out another shirt last right. week and buy a mug with me in bed with the yamaha as well that is on our zazzle page zazzle yes exactly so i think we're ready to get out of here big thanks to our guests for coming on and talking about that yeah it's nice I mean, to kind of get into some real meaty topics and also realizing yeah. how that can spread they were trying to spread it across the country and you know and that's a very very important thing to note federal stuff and federal stuff affects us all. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always start off as federal stuff. You know, they'll often they'll kind of say, "Well, how did it work in this yeah. state?" Now, so state stuff becomes federal stuff. 
So can, yeah. it's very, very easy for us in California. Yeah, hey, you know, we're leading this halcyon life in California where we can lane split and it's always sunny. New York doesn't affect us. Yes, it does. Right. Because and California. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Well, well, you know, oftentimes federal law makers will look at somewhere like New York for statistics and conveniently look the other way when it comes to California in order to prove their point. So if yeah. you want to, if you want statistics that motorcyclists are fundamental lawbreakers and the statistics from California don't show that, well, guess what? You're going to conveniently not look at California and you'll look at somewhere like New York where the cops have made it so that it appears that motorcycles are lawbreakers. Well, I'm going to say also, I mean, I've known Mike uh, for years and know, working at the AMA. And right. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be honest. I just thought a lot of the stuff he's doing is kind of boring and not that interesting until I really just got into it and realized, no, there's something here. So now I think I'm going to start, I'm going to start bugging him about what else he's working on. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, I stand by what I said. You know, we, we're not a political podcast. We're not a podcast about horses either, as funny as they are, or donkeys biting you on the lip. No, but as funny as that is, <laughs> I thought it was a herpes. <laughs> no, it's a donkey bite. It's a donkey. Well, it's a dirkies. It's a dirkies. You should, okay, you should glow on. a, glow a cornflake on that thing. Um, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> anyway... Um, no, I. we are a motorcycling podcast. I would never tell people to vote for this candidate or this candidate or this candidate. But I cannot stress how important it is yeah. to maintain yeah. what lifestyle we have and what rights we have as bikers. Join AMA. If yeah, you're and, in England, also- join the Motorcycle Action Group. Um Whoever yeah. is representing bikers in your country, get involved. Even if it's just writing them a check once in a while, get involved. And and even if you don't, get, you know, aside from that, just get involved in in advocacy issues. Like if you're yeah, a yeah. writer in California who loves lane splitting, write to legislatures in other states and, and who are considering lane splitting bills and say, hey, I've been doing this for years and years. It works great. It's a it's a it's a great way to alleviate traffic congestion. It's safe, you know, as long as everyone does it does it properly. You know, and it's, you know, there's there's a role that everyone can play in this. Well, good. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that show. I think that was our, our public service announcement show, I think. <laughs> I feel so. All right. I think we're ready. To get... <laughs> our pubic service announcement. <laughs> <laughs> wow. We're really ready to get out I of here. I could be rude, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone. This, this is Liza. Emma, darling. Stubby John. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, cool. Cool, cool.